passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. I'm John Pollock. Welcome to Post Wrestling's Best of 2019 show. I am joined by Wei Ting and two of the best we have to offer, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Braden. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow, we're in the post office again. Again. Second year in a row. You guys have spent quite a bit of time in here over the last couple of months. Just a little bit. A bit more time with each other, but yeah. Well, yeah, we're roommates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. You got the call back this year. Yeah, we're really excited. We We were shocked. And and honored to get the call last year with the the launch post wrestling shout out post wrestling because you guys are on a roll and you invited us and we were like oh my goodness what 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 an honor and now we're asked back again man we must be doing something I've right. got to say I think we've matured as well since last year because yeah. last year I remember night before it's like yo what was best social media account yeah and I'm like oh it was harder know. last year uh, this year it's like I'm. I found it way easier. Yeah. Maybe because I feel we've watched way more wrestling than we did last year. Yeah, we've watched a lot. We're nowhere near these two. Nowhere near we these two. We watch a lot of wrestling. We're getting there. We're getting there. coming close. I have to say, it's an honor to be on the post wrestling, uh, the up next uh, uh, Patreon feed as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Simulcast, everybody. That's right. Simulcasting. We're getting them it's simulcasting. Like raw and Nitro. Mm. Wow. Can yes. you imagine? This is uh, March 26, 2001, all over again. Yeah, we don't just watch NXT. But we watch it every Wednesday. Yes. Well, everyone is very familiar with this show. We are going to go through all of the various categories, looking at the very best of 2019 and what it had to offer. Quite an important year that I think we'll look back on within professional wrestling. And for those uh, that enjoy this show, next week is when we'll get all the garbage out of our system as we fully dive into 2020 and get all the negativity out on the worst of show. So that will be coming up next week, which will be out Tuesday. If you are a patron at post wrestling or for up next, you will get that show on Tuesday, two days earlier than we will be releasing it. So either uh Patreon feed you subscribe to, you'll get early access to it. Yes. Patreon.com slash up next is ours. And uh, because of you two, so many people have uh, gotten to listen to us and then join our Patreon and support us. And it's been like a wild ride. So uh, we you guys asked us to come on any show. We're always going to come on any show you invite us because you guys are, are, are amazing. Shout out John away again. Shout out John away. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of categories to get into. So we are going to dive in immediately to all of it and... Uh, we will be posting up the lists uh, as well. And just for the fun of it, I have also pulled up last year's uh, la- last year's choices as well. So wow. we will be uh, referring to that and seeing if, uh, if there were any repeats or if some are just going to look absolutely terrible in hindsight. 
I don't know where this category came from. Somehow I got best moment of 2019 that we did not do last year that apparently I did not give out to you guys ahead of time. No. So I think I just fully created this and didn't tell anybody about it. So my it apologies. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know where this came from, but it seems like a, a meaningful category. I'm the only one who prepared for this. These three, unfortunately, just got this one out of left field. So this is very much... I think the best moment, you should be able to come up with it in just a couple of seconds. I did. You need was, a whole lot of thinking. Disagree. It wasn't yeah. that great of a moment, sure. was it? No. Because it had no yeah. uh, it had no memory. So, best moment of 2019. Uh, we are going to start off. The wheel lands on Braden Harrington to start things off. What was your best moment as you throw out the calendar of 2019? Yeah, I mean, this list, I'm going to be a little biased because I also went to a lot of wrestling. I went to my first WrestleMania week or weekend and whatever, and there was a lot of good moments that that week uh, that I really loved in, in the world of wrestling, but going to a WrestleMania in an arena full of people wanting to see Kofi Kingston beat Daniel Bryan and finally become champion... Uh, I, I don't know how you can describe – I don't know how these wrestlers, they come out and they perform in such audiences like this. But to even stand in, in, in such a stadium where everyone's losing their mind, it like gives you goosebumps. And uh, Kofi Kingston is not even one of my favorite wrestlers uh, in my any, any list really. But the emotion from, from watching his whole career uh, – I've been watching wrestling since he's become there and just seeing that. Uh, everyone going crazy. Uh, he did it for the culture, and it was just crazy. It was amazing. That's a moment of the year for sure. Way? I feel the same way with Braden Harrington. I was also there on the floor for that particular event uh, and that particular match. And it's, um, it, it, I've seen a lot of wrestling this year, but a lot of it I don't think I'll remember beyond this particular show. Um, but uh, certainly I think it was that particular victory that I I think I'll remember forever, you know? And I, I think in hindsight, it's really easy to think about, like, the result of that match and how, how could it be anything but Kofi Kingston winning. But I think in that particular moment, because of the precedent that's been set in the past with things like, you know, Booker T versus Triple H, you really were unsure. And so the moment that Kofi Kingston actually won... I thought there was still a little bit of shock on on everybody's faces. In particular, I was watching grown men around me hug each other, crying. And you see videos online of like Chad Gaspard and MVP hugging each other, real tears down their face. Those videos really added Ooh. to the legacy of that it, moment. It, to me, it wasn't just a match between Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston, but it was like it was somebody who was a, a, a representative of an uh, uh, you know under underrepresented uh, minorities. Uh, facing and challenging the status quo. And that's, I think, what that moment repre represented to so many people. And to me, it was like pro wrestling at its best. Davey? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, we, uh, Braden and I just ran down our top 10 of the year. And this match was in there. So recently rewatched it. And I was on a mega bus coming back from Montreal. And I was tearing up on the bus watching this on my laptop. It's it, is, is that because you were... Oh, sorry. This is from Montreal. I think a lot of people were tearing up on the bus ride home from WrestleMania. That, that is it true. was four in the morning. I was and they've been waiting I for three hours in the that. rain. Um, I was there yeah, at WrestleMania. I sat with a listener of ours, a longtime listener, a guy called Pierce, who's awesome, from Chicago. Uh, he is an African-American. And he was like, we, we play the game where we go, we're going to buy tickets last minute. We're just watching them on StubHub. We keep trying back at the box office. And he's like, I, I got to be there to watch Kofi win. And 
We ended up getting tickets together, sat together. Uh, I'm a massive Kurt Angle fan. He was a hero of mine. So I wanted to be there for his retirement. And um, both of us teared up when, when Kofi won. And after uh, Kurt Angle lost and retired, he was like, oh, I'm here for you. And I was like, yo, like that that was the real moment. Kofi winning there. It it meant so much. Um, it's the the noise in the, the domes are hard. Like the stadiums are hard because the noise just escapes. And watching it back on TV recently, you can hear it get louder and louder and louder. And everyone's into it. And as as Way said, we're conditioned with it. Nothing would surprise you in wrestling. We saw Booker T lose, and that whole story was built up for Booker T to win and overcome the bad guy. And they didn't do that. And when Brian hits that running knee after all the interference and stuff. You go, fuck, they're going to do it again. And th- they pulled the trigger. Kofi won, rightfully so. Uh, Biggie and and Xavier are incredible. Just genuine reactions there. Xavier's just sobbing as they're revealing Everyone the, sobbing. The, the title, which, which chokes you up. Watching other people cry makes me cry. Yeah. I feel like a genuine amazing happy moment uh by far moment of the year and his kids too his kids holding up the shirts climbing the turnbuckle (laughs) they got rid of that adorable they did that's what made it more special the fact that they could do the the (laughs) oh that's right watch xavier like the the title is is hidden under a cloth the hemp title's on top of it and like biggie picks it up shakes his head and Xavier's just sobbing as he oh, lifts yeah. up the other Byron's one. Byron's crying. It was one of the crying. points I made leading up is that how do they do this title change? And Kofi's got to celebrate yeah. with that stupid looking title. And they thought of that. So yeah. mm-hmm. credit to them because I think that, that the visual is such a big thing. And oh, yeah. going back in this historical moment and he's holding up a thing with the recycling sign on it yeah. would have looked so silly. Yeah. So I was glad it, they thought two steps ahead. It was, it was also all, about, sorry, no, it, okay. it was about two hours into a an, an fucking nine hour show. And a and, very underwhelming show up until that point, yeah, I thought. And I think everyone, uh, you and I both said recently, uh, Braden, um, yeah, got my money's worth. Yeah. I, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with what I spent making the trip. I saw Kofi win. They can do whatever. I could have Baron Corbin for the next four hours. I'm happy. Kofi Kingston won the title, and that was an amazing moment. Do you think the moment would have felt as good if it took place at the end of the night? If it no, was the actual no. people would have been tired. I think they would have run that risk that that being that last spot at WrestleMania, very tough. So, I think it would have telegraphed the finish as well. Usually, you get a baby yeah. face win at the end of WrestleMania. And what's so. the endearing moment of that WrestleMania? I would say it's the Kofi win and not yep. the not Becky's win. Yeah. Um, I had a few notables here because I thought we were all going to go this direction. I just wanted to mention just the spectacle of ROH in New Japan at Madison Square Garden that night. That was an incredible atmosphere. Sure. Liger coming out, Muda coming out, and that crowd was so electric at the start. Um, John Moxley showing up at Double or Nothing. I think that was like a really big, big debut for the company that really set them with a lot of momentum. One of my favorites of the year was David Starr and Jordan Devlin brawling as Pat Benatar is playing, and this place is going absolutely insane. Uh, but I did go with the Kofi moment, and a personal story that I have attached to this was being at WrestleMania in 2013 at MetLife Stadium, the same stadium, and I'm going in the media area to the washroom. And Kofi's in the washroom at the same time, and a kid comes in and notices it's Kofi Kingston and goes up to him and says, who are you wrestling tonight? 
And Kofi just looks at him and he says, not this year, not this year, because oh, he's not booked on the show. He was on the, the pre-show as an analyst. And oh. there we are six years later in the same stadium and he wins the <laughs> WWE title. And that is something I would not have imagined would have happened uh, in that bathroom six years yeah. later as Kofi <laughs> is not even booked to wrestle on the show. Wow. So that was that was my moment of 2019 as we all go in the same direction. Hopefully there's much more disagreement over the <laughs> rest of this show. SOS. So next up is best interview on a media outlet. Last year, Davey, you chose Kenny Omega on Talk is Jericho. Braden, you just picked John Cena. You did not specify <laughs> where, when, or how, but just John Cena. Because any show he shows up on, he's amazing. I guess he did a great uh, job as well. Way and I also agreed with Davey. Kenny Omega on Talk is Jericho. I would assume this was the one where they're breaking down their match mm -hmm. from Russell Kingdom and kind of going through it. That, I guess, got some criticism from people, but to me was... Yeah, it's 2018 at this point that, you know, a really cool behind the scenes look at the, the match that was very pivotal, pivotal for both of their careers. Davey, where are you going for best interview? I'm going back to talk is Jericho. I'm going to the John Moxley interview with Jericho. Uh, I know Mox did uh, one or two more interviews after this, but this was the big one. This was the big yeah. one. And there's something about Jericho who... He, he would have been in that locker room with Moxley for such a long time. Uh, he's been there. He's been in WCW when he was being offered big, big money to stay there and was like, no, this is, uh, this is killing me creatively and I need to go somewhere where I feel I might be appreciated. And he left all those years ago to WWE. And the same thing kind of happened with Mox this year where he, he left and amazingly wwe did this huge farewell tour not thinking he might just jump ship and do new japan and AEW and all that and it's it was just fascinating to hear all the behind the scenes because we see the shit that goes out there we i listen to you guys and hear about you reviewing okay so dean ambrose is back he's got this cool new look he's got a bit of fur on his jacket he's cut his hair and he's Wearing a gas mask and getting vaccinations in his ass on TV. What? What? Why is that a thing? Why is that happening? And to hear him talk about how he fought it and fought it and fought it. And it enough was enough. And he moved on. Uh, it was really fascinating. I, I think it confirmed a lot of... A lot of things as well. To hear somebody in that position from their first-hand account as well. I think it just did so much to take you into that world and confirm a lot of that of what you hear so so much about so and it's a top guy as well it's not like so ec3 has has had a terrible run on the main roster it wouldn't have the same impact if it's ec3 finally goes and goes on talk is jericho and talks about these things this is a, a former wwe champion one of the hottest new products of the last 10 years they created with the shield like you would have thought he's there for life like those three guys in the shield they're lifers and, and, and he wasn't and, and went out and stepped up too. It wasn't like this guy who just complained about being shackled and okay, go out and prove it. And the guy did it. And from the first night that, that, that best of the super juniors finals, you saw, wow, this is a totally different guy. And you know, the proof was in the pudding. Yeah. Like if this guy had gone out and just couldn't hang with everybody it would have been like, okay, maybe this guy was just complaining way too much. And it was, but no, he went out and I think confirmed a lot of the, criticisms that he made vocal that that was also my choice of uh john moxley on talk is jericho i also really enjoyed uh kevin owens interview with lillian garcia um just a, a guy who's very very honest about himself his own self-doubt his 
um, just issues that he deals with, not being very unhappy, not being able to enjoy his universal title run. I thought, uh, again, a really interesting look inside the, the headspace of somebody in a very high pressure situation. Way, your choice for best interview. I'm expecting a clean sweep for this one. I also went Moxley on Talk is Jericho. You know, I, this was an interview that I feel like the repercussions we kind of felt for weeks, you know, in, in an effect similar to something like the pipe bomb. And, you know, it, of course, uh, beyond all the great points that you guys have already raised up, it gave us a new Vincism in It's Such Good Shit, <laughs> which, which I love. We'll get a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, a good companion to this as well as Wade Keller's interview with yes. Moxley that came around, you know, within a week of this one as well. Braden, are you making it a clean sweep? Yes, yes, I am. Because this one is the biggest thing since the CM Punk podcast that came out when he left the WWE. So this one's very similar. Uh, I mean, you all kind of just touched on all of those things. But uh, I love how he explains that he came up with, he hires his friend to make these videos. He, like, comes up with his own plan. Like, going forward, we're, we're recording this at the end of the year. You know how many people are indie wrestlers doing what he's do- done with going out and getting independent videos and literally stealing? Not basically, It's not saying he created that, but, like, going with that formula because it worked. But, yeah, he gave out so much, uh, like, things about the business that we all thought we knew, but then he kind of brings it even more into light. And uh, I'm never a big Dean Ambrose guy, but uh, I love John Moxley now, so uh, I really like that. And I don't, li- I don't really listen to uh, interviews that much. I don't really... I, I like to read uh, when John posts them and puts them in little quotes and stuff, but I had to check this one out and it was, it was great. Okay. Next category is best podcast. We're not being incestuous here. So non post wrestling uh, podcasts that we will uh, give out to uh, last year, Davey, you chose something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, Brayden Harrington, Sunday night's main event. And way and I chose wrestling observer radio way. Where are you going for best podcast? Not attached to our fine network. I'm sticking with talk is Jericho and going with that particular show beyond. I think the John Moxley interview that everybody has heard. Um, I think we've at least personally listening to a lot of different podcasts. I feel like Jericho has some of the high points uh, in terms of his guests, great access. Of course, uh, some of my favorites was his podcast talking about his own signing with AEW at the beginning of this year. Uh, a great interview with people like the the likes of Jay White. So uh, I, I think, you know, not only is it a good vehicle to hear the insights of a lot of performers in the industry that you wouldn't normally be able to hear, but I think he also takes you pretty deeply into his own, uh, you know, inner workings of his own career as well. Okay. Uh, Braden. Well, I'm not picking the same one I picked last year, so I'm going to pick... Uh, I I do like the 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 Jericho podcast because he's so all over the place. Uh, he has like people that aren't wrestling, and it's he's not kind of scared. He st- kind of sticks by his guns, whether you like who he has on or not. But I do like that. But I have to. Uh, there's a there's a podcast that kind of started this past year, and I have to throw sh- throw some uh, love towards the PWT cast because everyone over at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Those guys are awesome. So Scrump with the PWT cast has had some very strange interview uh, with Jay and Silent Bob and all these other people. So go check that out because I always support the homies. Okay. I went with – is this just the category for Brayden, the shout-out? Shout-out to my, my friends and former friends. On the <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> oh, no. My choice, I stayed with the uh, the Wrestling Observer family of podcasts, but I went with the Pacific Rim podcast with Fumi Saito and Jim Valley. Uh, for those that are not familiar, Fumi Saito has been a reporter in Japan for decades covering the scene. His uh, knowledge of that that part of the world is un- 
unparalleled. He's a, a tremendous resource, has been covering this for uh, decades at this point, and now has uh, a podcast that he does regularly with Jim Valley. There's a lot that can be learned there. I would also add, just in terms of the uh, the research that goes into it and the work that is so obvious that goes into these marathon shows that these guys do on a weekly basis, uh, Chris Zellner and David Bixenspan with Between the Sheets, uh, these guys put out five to six hour shows weekly, and it's just an unbelievable amount of research and notes that they prepare going into this and just dissecting a week uh, of wrestling history uh, as well, which is a really fascinating deep dive that they do weekly. So uh, my official pick was the Pacific Rim podcast and Davey, your choice. I was slightly incestuous here. Uh, I picked the grapple spotlight with our very own Richard Benson, JP and Joe. Um, There's something being a Brit living in Canada. I feel I've integrated myself pretty well here. I feel like this is my home as well. Is this how you caught up on Brexit? (laughs) Kind of, (laughs) kind of. Um, But it's occasionally like Brayden was over. uh, I put on Big Fat Quiz of the Year yesterday. Yeah. And those kind of panel shows like Mock the Week and all that. I will put on every now and then when I need a top up of British culture. And listening to those guys uh, every week, I get that. I get my uh, my wrestling opinions, and they, they break down pretty much everything. I think their chemistry is amazing. But to hear them talk in depth about uh, how Brit Res is dead, and they're going about how shit the latest progress card was, and it's Ginny versus Tony Storm again. And then, by the way, did you know Supermarket Sweep is back? Um, that had me howling with, with laughter at work. Uh, as I was setting up the other week, just talking about roast dinners and Mark Fowler from EastEnders and all that, it it keeps me in touch with home. I really love listening to those three. I think they're super knowledgeable um, and also fuck the Tories. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous show. So I recommend uh, all of these shows as well. We now shift over to best social media account. Last year, I went with Game Changer Wrestling Way and Davey chose Becky Lynch and Braden. Tommaso Ciampa. I will start off this one, and I am choosing uh, RJ City. I think that he's just has mastered the art of Twitter. It, he he got the rare follow from the post wrestling Twitter account, so I think that alone uh, is is a huge achievement. And just somebody that uh, I think what really marks it is that you can read a tweet and know it's from him instantly. Just uh, no wasted tweets either. Just. Uh, operating on an island to me of the wrestlers that are out there. So RJ city is my choice. Davey. Nothing warms my cold, dead heart more than when my mom calls me to tell me that her friend asked her why the wrestling news sites are reporting that I walk in on people taking dumps. (laughs) I do not read that Twitter account any longer without hearing Davey yelling at me as I read it. And that was on my short list here. Only Lorkin, my God. Like you said, uh, RJ City, you can read it and know yes, it's him. You're right. This guy. You, you really know it's Only Lorkin before you've even read who said it. Um, He's on an island that you don't need to call. You can just hear him. Yeah, it's it's just funny. It's really funny. He's just shouting nonsensical things about times he he had too many chocolate martinis or yeah. Maria's or whatever. I like when he tells us he wakes up in random places or he walks in, like he said, walks in on someone taking a shit. I love when he, uh, he tweets the regretful tweets where he's like, I was drunk last night and tweeted a lot in my shouty voice. And the next day he's saying like too many chocolate martinis. Uh, it's just funny. It's, it's like- really funny. And I'm, I'm, so glad he's re-signed with WWE. I know there was that whole thing where he was wanting to leave. 
Um, but I love watching him. I think him and Danny Birch, they're... Unfortunately, I can't see them going much higher, but to have, like, killer tag matches a few times a year on TV uh, with the likes of, like, Imperium and those guys, I love watching them. They're so good. Only Lorcan's awesome. Uh, from Davey, we go to, selfishly, one of my favorite Twitter follows, at Way0937. <laughs> Another guy, very precise oh, and, goodness. I mean, you're cerebral with your tweets. You, you don't tweet just LOLs, you know what I mean? You have measured thoughts and I always find you you always have like a very good Twitter tone way. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I will jump on your choice and agree with you. RJ City is my favorite Twitter follow. Um, I think, man, in a year where I think Twitter is such a topic of a conversation in professional wrestling, I feel like 90% of it I could really do without. And I, I would say the 10% that I would keep at the very top is RJ City. Just somebody who um, not only is, is you know, of course... Uh, comedian you know a very great performer as well at this point i'm always i'm only to bet that most more people know about his twitter than his actual wrestling itself so um not to say anything you know uh that has i i really hope that the two of them can really like his he really deserves to be more uh viewed is what i'm trying to say so book this guy and if not just at least book him for your Twitter and let him control your Twitter. Yes, or send him a B. Arthur quote. Uh, yeah, I thought his Twitter was just a Golden Girls like fan account. That's what makes it great. <laughs> yeah, he, the man has many layers. Brayden, uh, I also picked Oni Lorkin uh, simply because I can just you feeling down, scroll through his Twitter feed and just look at all the things he's yelling and talking about his dad and llamas. I think at one and his point, dog. Yeah, he's just he's just really he wrestles like he tweets, which isn't like, you know, maybe more wrestlers should do that. You should uh, trigger fingers, turn to Twitter fingers. And if you yell in your Twitter, well, then you should be hitting running European uppercuts in Smash Mouth style. Fits your style Twitter. Next category is most improved performer. Uh, we're going to circle back to Braden. Uh, this one was a tough oh, wait, one. Last week. Uh, oh, last week. Yeah. So let's go through those first. Uh, Braden, you chose Cody Rhodes. Davey and Way chose Becky Lynch, and I chose Hangman Page. Back to you, Braden. Uh, it's interesting that I picked Cody Rhodes last year because uh, I I had two people in mind this year that really don't really fit in the most improved. So I, I have to give a uh, shout out Rey Mysterio because for a few years there, I thought he was done. But by the magic of dude stem cell treatment. science or yeah whatever it is I don't know if that counts so if that doesn't count uh, then I okay then I I do really want to pick Rey Mysterio because this year was pretty crazy for him as a promo like this guy was one yeah, of the better promos yeah, this year I know I know like everything he did this year I was like ooh I'm kind of sold but I do want to say Cody Rhodes because um, every can, time can you improve twice in a, two years in a row yeah I I think you can but fine I'll just stay with Ray because it's Ray um, I'll stay with Rey Mysterio because. Even before the Brock Lesnar thing, he had this match, and I think it was even in January, where, I mean, we're recording this, he's had a ton of matches with Andrade, but there was this one that was on a SmackDown yes. that was like, I don't know, five stars in my opinion, just crazy. And I watched that, and I had to rub my eyes, being like, this is not the same guy I've been watching for the past 10 years. So, stem cells. Rey Mysterio, most improved. <laughs> And now that SmackDown's on Friday nights, that's also a night you're usually rubbing your eyes. Yeah, usually for other reasons. Way your most improved performer this year. Uh, I'm going to go. You know, I had a number of options, and they were all from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I had a number to choose from, and I won't really reveal them in, in case any of you guys choose them. But my my top choice among all the picks that I had uh, was John Moxley. You know, uh, this guy started off the year 
I think you know in the clear running for I would say worst of if you if the if the career kind of career, uh, continue the way that it has. But ever since he left, he was teasing stuff with Nia Jax at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I think most of us expected him to do pretty well once he got out of that system. I don't know if anybody of us expected him to do as well as he has, in particular with his matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling against Juice Robinson. Great showing in the G1. I would say, for me, a highlight of many of the matches in G1. Of course, a lot of people talking about the Ishii match as uh, even a match of the year contender. And pulled so. and pulled down by that staff infection that he worked half the tournament with mm-hmm. as well. Just, you know, the change in demeanor, the in, in-ring style um, was, was such... Such a pleasant surprise from, I think, you know, the very eh, tired uh, Dean Ambrose matches that we've been seeing throughout his his WWE career. So I would pick him as most improved. Yeah, he was he was on my list as well. Um, Yeah, it just seemed to I, I went with Lance Archer because to me, it's just what a what a change in this guy. And, you know, I saw it years back when he had a fantastic G1. I believe it was 2014, but he had really settled into that tag team role. He was getting up there in age. And then this year, Davey Boy Smith Jr. leaves New Japan and he's in a position not all that different from when Carl Anderson was teaming with uh, Giant Bernard, Matt Bloom, and Matt Bloom went back to WWE. What was going to happen to this guy as a singles? And he stepped up and totally got into fantastic shape for that G1, had a tremendous tournament, and then through a series of circumstances, ends up as U.S. champion at King of Pro Wrestling. But updated his look, updated like his big man spots that he was doing, and having a lot of fun matches throughout that G1, which is not the easiest tournament to stand out in with the level the the high bar that is set you could see how seriously he took it so i thought like this guy set himself up for a great position in new japan for the year ahead and maybe beyond davy now i'm worried here um i agree with all of them um i i apologize in advance brayden if we oh. we lose subscribers here for great. my pick um don't even because say i know it. i i i like <sighs> I have the to last find Jedi, another <sighs> um and i might get some hate here but my most improved performer of the year is Baron Corbin. Cut the show. Cut the feed. I'm done. Um, his, I, I genuinely think wrestling-wise, he's improved a, a hell of a lot. Um, the, the kind of King of the Ring tournament, I thought he actually put on some decent matches. But here's my main thing. I, I would argue he's the best heel in wrestling today. I think wrestling's evolved so much, and it's the cool heel now. You watch that... Um, we talked about it yesterday on our best of show. You watch Gargano versus Cole and Cole comes out as the heel and the whole of Barclays Center is cheering him. That's kind of the thing now. You you cheer the heels because they're cool. Baron Corbin is the only one who, when he comes out, he gets legitimate heat. He's the guy that's getting Roman Reigns, of all people, cheers. Um, and I think you've got to credit the guy for that because I... I think he's he's actually kind of good in his role of playing just a dick heel. And you look at him and you just don't like him. And I think you've got to give the guy some credit there. Because back in the day, people people would try and like fucking murder heels in Puerto Rico and stuff like that. Because they hated him so much. There'd be, there'd be like knives through the barricades and stuff. And all that kind of stuff. And it's now 2019 and we're like... Oh yeah, Undisputed Era is so cool, but they're the bad guys. It's the kind of NWO heel cool thing. I think he's upped his game wrestling wise. I I wouldn't say like I 
don't get me wrong, I don't particularly want to watch Baron Corbin matches, but I think he's an an interesting character in this in this world of wrestling we have now. But to that point, you don't want to watch Baron Corbin matches. That's the line you have to straddle. That if is he an effective heel in the sense that mm. he's headlining a pay per view, is that going to entice you to watch or not watch? And I think that's the line with and Baron I, Corbin. I think it's it's with like um like the whole Santa Claus isn't real anymore. We know that. So we, we want to... We have to... children of all ages. It's <laughs> Davy and but you it, are now more hated than it's, Baron Corbin. It's now... We look so much more at match quality, like wrestling ability-wise, um, because we know it's not real. So it's like, okay, so entertain me. Whereas you, I think a Baron Corbin could have been like really good in the 80s or something. I think his heat, though, is more not we boo you because you're an effective heel, but we boo you because we don't want to see you. But isn't that what heat was with a heel like just, 20 years ago? I still it's, feel I don't, like... I hate you. I fucking hate you. And I want Hulk Hogan to win because I hate this guy so, so much. Can you compare Baron Corbin heat to like Champa heat when he was like killing Gargano? I just don't think that's he the was, same he thing. He was one of the best heels. And I, he, yeah. I don't know. Was he my... Like, oh, no, we don't have heel of the year. Yeah. But he would have been my heel of the year last year. But again, even with him, I, I think there's certainly cool. I think there's certainly a spot for Baron Corbin. He wouldn't be my, my top heel on a show. Ever. But has he been effective being opposite Roman Reigns? I think he has been in in a role. I think the key to Baron Corbin is not over overusing the guy yeah. because there is a turnoff factor with him that. Today's fans, they are exposed to a lot of great wrestling, and that's an audience that uh, you do have to satisfy. And there's a big difference from Daniel Bryan as a heel versus Baron Corbin as a heel versus Kevin Owens as a heel mm. when, when he had that heel run. So that's all. certainly I wouldn't go by certainly just the crowd reaction. I think you also have to look at is this guy good for our business? Is this guy effective in that that top role? He wouldn't be my top guy, but he certainly to me has a role there because of the factors that you did outline. So there we go. A great pick, Davey, to generate <laughs> He did discussion. get a cool like outfit. That's most improved. I mean, WH no, Park would the, would disagree the, no, on get that. Get out of here. We are we're not going to go. The G unit vest? Like, no, no, no. no, no, no. His, the coat. his crown. His the crown like, and the coat. like that? His Game legit, of like, that's, swag. Like, that, that is, that is like, I, 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 I think he can rock no, it. No. I hate him. No, I won't, I won't go so far. I don't to, get to why to he's got hobo Patreon tattooed behind his ear, yeah. though. That's kind of weird. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> uh, did, we, did we get everyone's uh, yes. choices? Okay. Yes, yes. Angle of the year is next. Last year, Braden and Davey chose Alistair Black's parking lot attack. This was back when he liked to get fresh air. And get outside. No, this was this was really good. Now that I wow, you go watch this back. Yeah, now he's in a room without windows. Yeah. Uh, Waitings was the Bullet Club is fine, and mine Ghetto attacking Kazuchika Okada and turning on him, joining Jay White. So this year, angle of the year, I will start things off for this one. Uh, I know what everyone is going to say in response to this, but my definition of an angle is the actual execution of the moment. It is not necessarily the payoff. I would cite. The invasion story, where we go back that night when the physical wall of ECW and WCW turning on Jericho and Kane. Phenomenal angle. Storyline was god-awful. So this one, I am choosing. Katsuyori Shibata attacking Kenta. Are we going to get a payoff to it? Probably not. Maybe we do. But that moment was phenomenal. Uh, Place went insane. It was totally unexpected. And I think it was like the... It was like this... 
it was slow for Kenta. And that, to me, was the turning point for Kenta where, okay, this guy has found himself in New Japan, this new identity, because he was hated in this moment with Katsuyori Shibata uh, getting physical uh, with Kenta. So that was my choice. Way. I went with the same one. Um, you know, uh, it's – when you think of like, you know, the angle of the year or, or perhaps even just – like you think about, about the most shocking things that you might have seen, things you didn't really see coming. And I would certainly classify this one even though I read spoilers ahead of time. So I didn't oh. see it coming. But it was that good where like the visual of I think seeing this man who was thought to have been – taken down at forever. one point like yeah nearly like you know um certainly retired if not even worse worse off than that uh coming back and actually executing the moves that he did on kenta just made you so full of joy and so full of excitement about what was to come uh unfortunately i mean i'd love to know exactly what was going on through their minds as they were going through that you know like if he wasn't actually clear to return why 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 do as much as you did um i don't know if we'll necessarily know in the near future however i'm really grateful that we at least got the moment even if you don't get the match and i'm not even advocating to see shibata wrestle again i'd feel uneasy about that that visual like you can't say it was wasted because kenta i think got a lot out of it sitting on top of shibata that closing (coughs) scene was tremendous uh davy your angle of the year uh my angle of the year is another turn and it's in uh, our wheelhouse, NXT, and it's the Finn Balor turn. So Finn went to uh, NXT from Raw, and he's been someone that I haven't been too uh, hot on since. Uh, his entrances have been cool, even in NXT. He never really blew me away. And as soon as that turn happened, I was like, okay. And it wasn't just the fact that he turned heel. It was the aggression he did it with. I think the the kind of overhead kick, the Pele kick to Johnny Gargano, it looked way cooler than, say, Seth turning on the shield, where you see him raising the chair and you're like, oh, this is going to happen. It came out of nowhere. He's kicking a guy who stood behind him. Uh, the the drop kick through the barricade, the um, the bloody Sunday on the ramp, like the aggression there was was crazy. I mean, it. I, I think it legit injured Gargano for a while and took him out. Um, but... It, I didn't see it coming. It shocked me. Uh, we saw we saw ourselves firsthand a spike of interest in our podcast that week from Finn Balor uh, turning. Um, he drew money for you guys. It, he yeah. drew money. He'll um, times draw money, yeah. I, 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 I was going to pick that one as well because that, that turn is, is really interesting. This guy was like pretty popular in NXT. He kind of did make that NXT. Like his, the storyline is I made NXT and now it's more popular and well, I did it. It's like... The angle itself is really... It, it's definitely one of my favorites. Both yeah. of us shouted out loud when it happened. Yeah, it was... Which rarely happens with angles. Matches can do it. Like, crazy matches will be screaming yeah. and stuff. But an actual angle... Yeah. We're kind of over so much of it, especially in WWE. Whereas both of us went, what? Like, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick, I had to say that, but I'm going to pick something just separate just to, to mention. John, you said that it's never the match... That it's really setting up. It's just the angle. Well, there was an angle after a match where a brother asked another brother saying, I don't, I don't need a friend. I need a brother. And that was awesome. Uh, that Thank like, God he didn't deliver it like that. No, I messed it up because he, brother. Uh, oh, brother. Yeah, I really like that, that setup. Uh, that whole like match itself is, is fantastic. From start to end, it feels like a, a movie. Not the best wrestling, but I'm talking about the angle after the match. 
I can't remember the match that they talked about. It's them versus the Bucks, Cody and Dustin at Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen. Or double, double or nothing? No, well, it, no. the angle was a double or nothing. Yeah. They set up, I think it was the Fighter Fest, yeah. Fighter Fest match. So uh, I feel like that angle is what everyone kind of remembers from that. Like people quote that in wrestling all the time now. It's It's ingrained in history of wrestling quotes that people say to other people. Like when... When when you're you're fighting, you'll sometimes quote the Shawn Michaels, "I'm sorry, I love you." But now with your boys, you're gonna be like, "I don't need a partner, I need my older brother." So I, I think that angle was what it was. Uh, fight for the fallen. Yeah, your yeah. Main event. Well, the match itself there was not uh, not up to par of the angle. All right, next is best celebrity involvement, and last year. What celebrities uh, graced our screens? We had Davy and Braden going with Stephen Amell at All In. Way and I chose Wheatus performing at Joey Janela's <laughs> Lost in New York, which I will say there was no celebrity involvement that hit 2018 levels with Wheatus. Uh, tremendous involvement by uh, that band. Way, why don't you start us off? You know, uh, this year, I had a tough time picking yeah. this one, actually. And I, I'm kind of glad for that because I, it tells me that we're kind of past the the era of just, you know, celebrity cameos for the sake of celebrity cameos. And I think any celebrity who dares attach their name to professional wrestling is at least educated a little bit more about what to expect to the point where they're not necessarily there just to embarrass themselves if they choose to be attached to it at all. Um, so I had actually had a bit of a tough time even like picking my best or worst this year. But um, I don't know if this will qualify, but I think this was the closest thing I had to it. It was last week tonight with John Oliver's coverage of <laughs> WWE. And uh, I mean, I classify this because he's a celebrity. That's a very good, that's a good wow. choice. And, you know, it was just, uh, I think the fact that a show as good as this one, as well-researched as, as the team at uh, Last Week Tonight, uh, obviously this was uh, somewhat following the coverage that um, they gave the WWE in the lead-up to Crown Jewel from last year. But this was an entire episode dedicated to their their own, um, uh, I guess, questionable policies of, uh, um, yeah, uh, what, what do they call it, um, not the non-contracted like what, what what is it what is the proper term for independent contractors, independent contractors and, and the whole system that i think uh definitely maybe leaves a little bit to be desired the lasting effects of a, a show like this i you know you can definitely question like nobody ever went to wrestlemania holding up signs or at least not to my knowledge there was no big uproar about it after the fact so you brought up a lot of big points and yeah. it wasn't the show's responsibility to run with that and Look what was done it, afterwards. I mean, that, sure. that tells you in a nutshell kind of the nature of the industry that very few are going to speak out about this stuff. And that's why I think a guy like a David Starr has received a lot mm -hmm. uh, more criticism than he has acclaim, like from inside the industry. And, and I think, you know, even if WWE doesn't necessarily do something about it, at the fact that it's a talking point now and that the fact that you could pr present this 30 minute thing to somebody who knows nothing about it to say, hey, this is what we mean. This is something that needs to be addressed. It, it gives a wake up call to AEW, to any other promotion out there that is thinking about doing professional wrestling on a large scale. So that's my favorite celebrity involvement. Well, um, Mine is not going to be as deep as yeah, that. My, now my, how am I supposed to pick something after My, my runner-up was uh, Jay and Silent Bob on Dynamite. Yes. Oh. Uh, well, that's uh, not mine, but that's, okay. a good, that's a good runner-up I up thought there. Kevin Smith's reactions were tremendous, but – and maybe I'm kind of – if we can get away with John Oliver, I can get away with this one. And that was at Triple Mania, Cain Velasquez's debut uh, in the trios match, teaming with Cody and Psycho Clown against Tejano Jr., Black Taurus, and Killer Cross. And he came in and – 
I didn't know what to expect from Cain Velasquez. We knew he was a major fan and obviously would put the work in, but still, to me, it greatly exceeded expectations. And I'm going to pause on Cain Velasquez, and maybe we'll revisit Chapter Two next Ooh. week. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe there was stem cells involved, and in, he was doing like lucha stuff when he, he was tremendous doing yeah. lucha stuff, and not it's, so much. Sorry, it's, it's lucha things. Lucha things. Yeah. Are stem cells your tag team of the year? No. <laughs> it might, might be best non wrestler yeah. or something like that. Uh, best gimmick. Uh, Davey, your choice for best celebrity involvement. I feel mine could be people's worst, um, but just from the reaction of it, I'm going to go something with Tyson Fury. Oh. Um, and that's because uh, people people know me, as I'm sure they know you guys, is, oh, that's the wrestling guy. That's the guy who likes wrestling. And I work in a bar, and people will try to engage with you about it, and they won't know much about it. Now, I don't know much about boxing. That's kind of like a huge world with so many people following it, and I don't really know much about it. So many people were going to me, what Tyson Fury's in in WWE, especially him being a Brit. I had a lot of my mates going, "Hey, David!" Like texting me. I saw Tyson Fury uh, is in WWE with this Braun Braun Strowman guy. That guy looks big. Who's he? What's his story? And just from and that's exactly what WWE want, and that's exactly what a celebrity angle should do is attract um, laps fans or casual viewers or complete non viewers, people interested in other stuff to the product um i thought i thought the whole brawl angle was actually pretty good it was no mike tyson austin but like it wasn't terrible match itself whatever but i think in achieving something and getting more eyes on the product and people talking about it tyson fury yeah and all all those fans got together like you guys want to watch this yeah we're all coming to my place (laughs) thursday at two in the afternoon to watch this but even if it's for wwe even if it's youtube views of that brawl or whatever i think they gain something not necessarily network subscriptions but it people are talking about it and that's what they want brayden uh well none mine doesn't match any of those uh mine, i like how we all went different paths yeah uh, mine is a different path uh, i went to wrestlemania this year and i was super excited that i got to go watch wrestlemania live but then i was i was told that a wrestler was gonna be sang out to the ring by joan freaking jet and oh, i was yeah. i was very ex- like you you even you know i was like wait i'm already going to this and now i get to see joan jet Fuck yeah. Uh, Ronda Rousey's theme song. Ronda Rousey's theme song is the same theme song from Freaks and Geeks. Love that song. And she still has a great voice. So now I can tell people I saw Joan Jett. And uh, I thought that was really cool. I want to jump in on that as well. Like talking of non-wrestling fans. That song comes on at the bar sometimes. Sure, yeah. And I go, oh, I've seen Joan Jett. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) And I'll show a picture of Ronda Rousey walking to the ring with her like Roddy Piper font saying Joan Jett, Ronda Rousey. I'm like, yeah, look. And they're like, wait, you saw... Ronda Rousey. Yeah, Joe that's Jack? my new favorite like, thing yeah, in conversation. At WrestleMania, they're like, "What?" <laughs> legit, legit. Like, I I grew up listening to that kind of music. I grew up listening to punk and and rock and oldie stuff. And and to see her, I don't know, bring out a wrestler uh, in a woman who did so much for rock and roll as a woman for now a, a woman who did so much for like combat sports essentially and now here in the main event first time ever i thought it was really cool so i really liked that a lot. No, i thought it was a lost opportunity ufc never did that yeah mm-hmm. uh, that was a great opportunity for them to get joan jet there and it was, WWE it was sick capitalized on yeah, it lit. best piece of merchandise 
Last year, Davey, you chose Kyrie Sane's pirate hat. <laughs> you still didn't get one. I never got. I should have. I should have picked up on that for Christmas this year. Damn. Braden chose a custom chaos Chicago style shirt. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my, my chaos. Yeah, shirt, you yeah. Wear, you wear that. Yeah. Uh, Way, you chose the Villain Club Gold Edition shirt. And I selected Bad Luck Fale's Fuck'em shirt. <laughs> I feel like I suggested this category last year. Um, I don't know if... Um, I'm always interested in, in the results of this, because I have no idea where anybody is going. I, uh, well, merchandise encapsulates so much, oh, so... I didn't even know where I was going for this one. But um, of all the ta- things I had to choose... You know, I think it's notable that... The 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 departure of uh, the Bullet Club guys um, certainly has like made the the pro wrestling tees um, uh, perhaps top ten or top uh, however whatever a little bit more wide open this year. Although uh, from what Scrump tells us, Marty Skrull, despite you know not being a part of AEW and maybe I would say less visible than he was in previous years, still one of the top sellers. So that's really he comes out with shirts though like every day. Like Marty yeah. Skrull has new like creations of shirts, so he's killing it. Yeah, sure. So, uh, but you know, I have to think about uh, like, eh, am I gonna pick another black T-shirt? I don't know. Instead, I went with Tai Chi's tearaway pants. Oh. <laughs> now on sale right you now. You can buy those from New Japan Pro, Pro Wrestling, wow. and you would know this because there's a video of Chris Charlton doing the tearaway no on, on Twitter. So th- that was my pick, Davey. Um. I'm going to go with the little bit of the bubbly oh. t-shirt. Uh, more so just just from the phrase, um, which... Not the actual bubbly itself. The, I, I've not tried it. <laughs> I can't imagine it's good. That, that's my pick. I went with oh. the actual oh. sparkling wine. Um, I tried to order it. They don't ship to Canada. No, yeah. I just think the, the idea that a wrestler is pimping out uh, literal champagne is awesome. I love it. So. I told Braden the other day, you know, that's uh, he teamed up with Stephen Amell. It's from Stephen Amell's Vineyards. And he's like, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just the T-shirt. I believe uh, Pro Wrestling Tees went down yeah. when it when it went on sale. Uh, the phrase I've shown uh, non-wrestling friends and they've started quoting getting over. as well. It gets over. Um, like I'll go to a friend's bar and they'll be like, David, you're having a little bit of the bubbly. And I'll, uh, oh, just it's it's. Got over completely. So I just, I just the, love the like, shirt. Isn't great, but yeah. the fact that so many people love that slogan so much that they buy anything with it on, I think, makes it the best merchandise of the year. I just love the fact that it went from just this throwaway line that wasn't even on the pay per view. It was like on the after show, and you just suddenly got all these memes from it, and they just ran with it. And the guys made all this merchandise out of it and sold countless bottles of this stuff. And just the idea that wrestling fans are shutting down a site to order champagne is just <laughs> comical, does not do it justice. But uh, I, I picked the uh, the actual yeah, champagne. Uh, I, I had the shirt because the shirt definitely like changed a lot of things. People were like, look how fast something happens in WWE. And then you have to wait so long for like a Suplex City shirt because it's WWE. They go through all that stuff. But the bubbly shirt was like someone designed it so quickly, so fast, just like you designed a little bit of the folly. Yes. And it's it's uh, it's crazy. Foily. Oh, foily. Yeah. Can I pick that one? <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, I actually just I'm going to agree with John, though. It's the actual physical like champagne or maybe not champagne but the sparkling wine the bubbly like how fucking funny is that that this guy says it and he becomes something that he's probably made some sort of money off of it enough that he's like wow this is ridiculous because a few other uh wrestlers have like uh, i think the the 
is it Carmela who has her own wine or Cody with his own the wine? Bellas. Yeah, there's a few. There's a Cody few. Cody has cigars, I think. Yeah, like I mean, Kazarian. Yeah. yeah, there's a few wrestlers that like do that and stuff. And sure, your probably instant thought is none of this is going to be very good unless like you know your stuff. But like it's the it's the novelty. So mm-hmm. of course you're going to want to buy the bubbly from Chris Jericho cuz it's his. So. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but we haven't been plugging Wine Wednesdays no, for nothing. No, we haven't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have we have uh, on Wednesday nights we do our Wine Wednesdays. We need to try some more wrestler wine. But Shout we try- out to Boozer, who just gives it to us for free. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, so it, they should ship it to Canada, though, because we, we want a little bit of the bubbly. And Jericho's Canadian. Yeah. Also, they did miss a thing, though. He was in Champagne on an episode. Yes, the week the after. Week. The week after. And the, he sh- they should have done a bit with that where he's not allowed to call it Champagne because it's not from Champagne. But now he's in Champagne. Illinois like that was a mark I think they missed but uh, yeah worst promotional tactic is next week (laughs) (laughs) Uh, best theme music Um, this can encompass anything that was musically connected to pro wrestling this year way as one of the aficionados at this table what what caught your ear this year Uh, of the new songs I feel like introduced in pro wrestling this year I have to say I pay less and less attention to like pay-per-view themes you know Um, they toned it down even yeah. WrestleMania, no one really can tell you what the theme was because they don't. They they heard you guys bitch about Greenlight all the time, so they finally stopped playing those videos with all so. those things. Yeah, uh, but for me, I think uh, NXT continues to deliver a great amount of like wonderful theme songs that continue to catch my eye. And uh, my favorite amongst the new ones that were introduced this year were was Mia Yim's theme song. Uh, I believe it's called Number One, but uh, people might know it just for she got uh, Nelly on that, on that, to. On that. As HBIC. Oh, what? HBIC. Nelly? What do you mean? Oh, no number one. Nelly's songs. <laughs> no, I don't believe Nelly's a part of this. But whoever is a, a part of it, uh, I mean, uh, great jobs. Is this CFOs? I'm, I'm almost afraid to say because, like, I don't even know exactly they who. They, they have a, but yeah, they, have, they go, something yeah, else. they do different stuff. Anyway, as the kids say, this one's a bop. Wow. Um, I failed to mention that last year, Way's pick was a uh, Russell and Flo's Gorillas of Destiny theme. I went with a uh, Dvorak Symphony Number no. Nine Four, which is Walter's theme, which I got to experience live this year during SummerSlam week, which was uh, the coolest entrance I saw this year. Uh, Braden, All In by Downstate. Oh yeah, can I and pick that again? Davy chose Blood Water by Grandson, which was the theme for NXT Takeover of Brooklyn. Uh, Davy, uh, were you going with a Takeover theme this year or something different? I'm not. Although I think Poppy has killed it with NXT. Like her connection with the Yoshirai is super interesting. Um, they've been doing like magazine interviews and stuff, and uh, obviously had the entrance on NXT TV. I think it's only a matter of time before we see Poppy play out uh, EO at a Takeover. Don Cherry's favorite group this year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I uh, I went with um, Bray Wyatt's uh, new version that like the Fiend theme by Code Orange. Uh, I I already liked his original version. This one was so much cooler. And to be there at SummerSlam, I mean, I would suggest maybe next year entrance of the year because I think there are so mm-hmm. many cool entrances in wrestling. It's such a huge part of wrestling, and um, where the character's gone from there is another thing. But that version of the song, I, people were waiting for it to come out. It was on Spotify. I heard Braden play it on repeat like that first week. It's really cool. Um, they add so much more layers to it. And I think Code Orange are like a really good band for wrestling. They they sound like a, a cool wrestling band. Like the old, like the 90s 
tw- uh, early 2000s like rock kind of wrestling shit. No, that theme is that theme is lit. I'll jump in. Yeah, I I did choose the the Bray Wyatt theme as well. That's not necessarily I'm wearing a black craft hat, but that's not necessarily my go-to type of music, but that was so cool. You we already knew the old version of it. We knew the character was coming and then I was at that SummerSlam as well and the entrance was amazing. You know, the we'll talk about Bray Wyatt next week, I'm sure. Uh but the the theme was just was awesome. We should be doing like an entrance, but it's still kind of it counts as the same thing. But uh noteworthy and shout outs to the not the poppy, but the Eo Shirai's theme. That's like the eight oh eight bass kind of boo 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 boo. That stuff is super lit. They need to put lyric. Poppy needs to jump on that instrumental. That's probably why they haven't released it yet. Hmm. But um it's only it's only weird because he's come out to it maybe more than this just this year, but also like Coming out to your own band music is badass. And what have I become? Uh, Fozzie, Judas, that's that's lit, man. Every week when we're watching AEW, we go nuts. we'll not be talking. And then when the chorus drops, we <laughs> both are saying, like, what have I become? It's, it's so, so good. catchy. I have gone to my local <laughs> oh my karaoke DJ and I'm like, <laughs> oh hey, man, God. I have noticed that you don't have Fozzie in your list. <laughs> I happen to have it on my Spotify list. <laughs> and he said it, he'll look, he's looking into it. Oh so I God. know it's a karaoke file. Fozzie <laughs> Judas is somewhere. So, uh, yeah, like, shout out that because... I was at uh, the Tokyo Dome when he came out to that versus Omega, and everyone like was like, "That's fucking funny." He's coming out to a song that was currently on the Billboard, and now he's in AEW and he's allowed to use it. And I think that's really cool. And so. also, this character of Jericho, of course, he'd sing himself yeah. to the ring. <laughs> it makes sense. It's him. I become. I become. Come on, everyone loves that song. Way. Uh I am not a big theme song person. Like, if you were to ask me what is your favorite theme, I would probably tell you nothing but one that i i genuinely like this year and he had to get a whole new theme going to aw was kenny omega's battle cry by this guy little v and i, I think it's like a really cool theme oh, it's when, lit. when it hits the crowd goes nuts for him they've got they shot like a video for him and i just think it's like it to me the theme is what it associates with the performer and the reaction that it generates. I think no matter what Kenny Omega comes out, it's always like a superstar reaction this year. And I thought, you know, you go from such a a theme that yeah. you're synonymous with and you have to make that switch, that can often be very difficult. I think Tanahashi suffered from that. I think when he went from his classic to the, the Go Ace version, it was a very big shift. And Kenny Omega, I I like this one more. So that yeah, was actually. Choice. Uh, I, I'm glad you said that. I, I love Kenny Omega's New Japan theme. Like that, that was amazing. It's so badass. And then when I first saw him come out with this new theme, I was very skeptical. I was like, "Ooh, I don't know about this one." But I've watched it back on YouTube. I'm like, "Yo, this is this is a banger." Yeah, I, like I it. didn't notice it the first few weeks, and then it was. Yeah, I started noticing that. Like, I really, I really dig this tune. And it's got it, it's got the music video on YouTube. It's like got yeah. lots of views. Like people are super into it. So. Best digital series. So this is uh, anything that was, you know, a regular feature, uh, but digital only. So last year I went with 10 pounds of gold. Way chose being the elite. Braden, WWE 24. And Davey, WWE 365. And their love of numbers for <laughs> series. Uh, this year, uh, I will start things off. And I went with the Road to series that AEW produced. These quickly became my favorite things when they would drop. Very quick. Just a tremendous showcase of great promos that I think as a whole, we, we saw just a great improvement of promos and from outlets like this that we, we got to see this year. The emergence of Tully Blanchard back into the spotlight. This to me was like the 
to me, like Cody Rhodes workshop to really get his voice down and elevate himself to one of the top talkers in the industry at this moment. And to me, just gave the feel of what I wanted AEW to be serious stories, building to matches. And I think that this was when they've kind of uh, gotten away from this series. And I think it's, it's something that I wanted to see more of within AEW, this kind of this high level of production that gave you some kind of emotion to build to a match and I also give an honorable mention because every Monday night, uh, he he tags me among many people, and that is PCO and Destro's <laughs> videos of violence that they do every Monday night, and just the fact that they do these without fail. Uh, PCO, Jimmy Corderas. You want consistency among digital drops? It's Jimmy Corderas <laughs> and PCO in 2019. Davey. Um I don't regularly watch any of these digital series, so I I feel kind of bad uh, judging. And my pick, um, there's only been two episodes of it, uh, and that's the the Stone Cold uh, podcast series on uh, on the network. But the especially the one with Undertaker, I ju- I just think he's such a good interviewer, and to see Undertaker talk for it's like almost two hours, um, out of character. They're both shooting jack throughout the whole thing it i found it fascinating and i i've listened to austin's podcast for a long time and i trust he's gonna keep delivering really good shows like this so i feel bad because i know like there are other shows that have done it weekly since january and i'm just basing this pretty much on one show but it really stood out for me this year and i wanted to mention it yeah, uh, I, I mean, I know I picked like 24 last year, but I, I these these shows to me are kind of a blur. Like they call them 365. They call them 24. I just kind of remember the ones that they focus on. For me this year, I don't know if it's 24 or 365. 365 is the one with Michael Rappaport. It's not that one. Braden so- <laughs> didn't know what he was going to pick. And that's why he had to go down deep on the list. Uh, I chose, I-, I guess it's a 24. It's it's all about Becky Lynch and like her day. Uh, yeah, the 24 hours. Makes sense. Checks out. Uh, of her like at WrestleMania. There's also day of, right? And there's Chronicle. <laughs> what? Oh, like, they're, they're all the same. No. They're oh, all the they, same did, they did a focus group. It's like, we like <laughs> stuff that follows a timeline. So uh, I, I, I like the one with Becky Lynch, but there was one that is more recent with uh, the return of Champa. Where it like follows oh, okay. him with his whole surgery and like mm. stuff. This guy is this all the PC YouTube? Yeah, I think no. This was a separate. This was a network exclusive show. Yeah, that PC YouTube channel I think is great. That is also really cool. But so this one like follows him through his surgery. How he, you know, him and his wife had had like miscarriages, and then now oh, he's got that... a daughter. Like you learn so much, and you were like, "Whoa, this guy's like one of the most hated guys in the, in the last decade of wrestling." And in the background, he's like going through some shit, and I was like, "Whoa!" And they're 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 airing this while he's returned. And now he's supposed to be a babyface. So what other way is going to get your guy over than watching this? I watched this. I almost cried. And now he's named his move after his daughter, who you are introduced to, Will- Willow's, Willow's Bell, or Willow's yeah, Bell, yeah. And it, I don't know. It just felt so so moving. So I'm just going to say whatever show that was. <laughs> yeah, that thing was. Absolutely I think your answer was the same phenomenal. last year. It was one of the well, they're so similar. 235, it's, 60. Look, if they, t- they if are. I see a, a thing saying we're doing a 24 on Baron Corbin, I'm not going to watch that one. But when I see 
with a story I know that's interesting. Like Becky Lynch, I knew it was about WrestleMania and main eventing and, and you know, all that stuff. I had to watch that. When I heard his Champa coming back from surgery, I had to watch that. There's certain ones I want to pick. And hey, I'd want to see Corbin's story of how he improved so much this year. I want to so see I, him, where I, he gets his tattoos. <laughs> They're probably going to bootleg this clip and put it in there because, guys, we found somebody. <laughs> Proving ground. Yeah. Wasn't he a part of that? Uh, he was. He was yeah, that yeah. was a good series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, way. So, uh, you know, my pick, I mean, I think what, what it classifies as digital series might be a little bit ambiguous and might cross over for, for many people's uh, choices for best wrestling series because a lot of wrestling series these days occur strict, strictly online, digitally. So um, if you're strictly asking me what I watch that's on something like YouTube on a regular basis that I consistently enjoy, my pick would be NWA Power. Uh, this would be... Uh, something that completely, I think, caught many people off guard. You know, certainly uh, I saw some of the prior pay-per-views that NWA, uh, Billy Corgan, and David Lagana were putting out. I think I had a, I enjoyed them, but I didn't think I would enjoy necessarily a weekly series that uh, they ended up uh, delivering here. And what really, of course, made it stand out was an, an incredible high level of very organic feeling promos in a very unique television studio setting that... Um, I, I think just works for whatever reason. And, you know, in a very crowded landscape, it's it really is incredible that um, they've managed to find an hour out of my very busy week every single week, even though if we're not doing a podcast uh, talking about it, I find time to watch this thing. I consistently enjoy it. So NWA Power, my favorite digital series. All right. All great picks. Uh, so we move on now to best book of the year. Last year... I selected Nitro by Guy Evans. Way, Braden, and Davey did not have a submission. So we will find out. Did you guys read a book this year? Way. No. Braden. No. Davey. No. <laughs> the winner, the unanimous decision for best book of 2019, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, The Storytellers by Greg Oliver and Steven Johnson. Uh, it's a fantastic catalog of just so much packed into this book, especially if you're interested in stuff from the, the 19th century, the early part of the 20th century. Just a lot of different power brokers, how wrestling was run, and some lesser known figures that had held a lot of importance at this time, as well as, you know, just uh, tr- tremendous stuff like uh Dr. Sam Shepard, who created the mandible claw that is now, you know, utilized first by McFoley, now by Bray Wyatt, just like these little threads that connect so much history to the present as well. And they did, you know, fantastic research into all of these different characters. I wonder if we like tie this into like a, just a general media category next year for like, you know, movies or, or anything that might be associated with wrestling as well. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if there's enough out there, to be honest, like when it comes to. I think if this the, is a category, we continue. We've got a year to read a book. Let's just <laughs> let's just pick a different book to read each, and we'll say it, even if it's shit. That will be our pick. It's the best wrestling book we read. I'm terrible though. Like I have a I have two books that I really want to read, and they've I been know. in the same place on my shelf for two years. Audible.com. <laughs> but it, for me, it's like I just if I'm going to commit myself to something like a book, it's not going to be about pro wrestling. You know, and that's typically where I find myself this, you know, where I I just don't really have the time nor really the desire to, to, See, I'm, to I'm, read I'm I get ahead of the game uh, getting an advanced copy of a book that'll come out next year. So I'm also wow. next year. He's <laughs> already Potentially. Got it. Awesome. Jeez. Best wrestling episode. So just a singular episode that 
Let's be honest. With all that you guys have watched this year, I think if there's a particular episode that comes to mind, um, that's quite the achievement. And let us start with Braden. What was your best wrestling episode? Yeah, this one's a little tough for me because um, I watch NXT. We watch NXT every week, and NXT jumped to USA. It added a second hour. It made the show even bigger. So obviously, I want to pick one of those. So one specific comes to mind is... Obviously, the first one on USA, but I think I'm going to choose the the show that was the debut going head-to-head with uh, AEW. Uh, AEW went on to, to beat them in the ratings that night. I think it's October 2nd. Um, but on this episode of NXT, it was them cheating. So technically, it, it shouldn't count, but it still was an awesome show, so I'm selfishly just going to pick it. Um, they had the... the the title match, I think even opening the show, just so they, they made you not tune into the other show. They're just being assholes. And you had Adam Cole, Matt Riddle. Uh, I believe that's when Champa showed up. You had maybe even Finn Balor uh, somewhere in there. You had the tag titles match with Street Profits. On a yeah, you had like well. so much going on. It felt like a, a, a takeover on USA. But it was all just to combat AEW. So it was kind of a dick move. But uh, it was an awesome episode of NXT. And... For so long in wrestling, you've we've been waiting for them to. People are always like they need competition to step it up. So the first night in history, they're gonna have competition in years. That was the show they put out. It was just really awesome. So that's what kind of sticks out in my head. Davey, what was your best episode? Uh, mine's very similar. Um, it ties in with my angle of the year. It's the October twenty third edition of NXT. This one featured the the Finn Balor turn at the end, but also had really great wrestling as well. You had. Cameron Grimes versus Matt Riddle, which as soon as that match was announced on Twitter, you're going, oh, I I didn't know I wanted to see that, but I really want to see that. And the triple threat between Roderick Strong, mm, uh, Keith yeah. Lee, and Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, Roderick Strong is Mr. TV for me. Like You can put him on a- in any match on yeah. NXT TV for 20 minutes, and you know it's going to be incredible. You've had this Keith Lee-Dijakovic uh, feud that's been been boiling with just awesome matches and then you had that triple threat with some pretty crazy scary spots in there as well and to finish the show with that angle with finn uh that was the episode that stood out the most to me way uh my favorite episode of wrestling television i suppose this year was the nxt invasion of wwe smackdown uh on a in a year where i think you know obviously we've seen a lot the ones that do stand out are the ones that are certainly different from the others and this was a very different one not just for the actual content itself but for the story that led up to it wwe turned i would say uh you know a pretty interesting situation with a uh, half of its talent being stuck overseas in saudi arabia into something that I I think became one of the more memorable editions of pro wrestling TV in a very very long time. This had just a feel of great freshness, seeing all these you know new faces on on, on TV on Fox. You know this is not just USA but on Fox, and I think the booking of NXT talent on that particular show was just exactly what you would want from a debuting faction of of brand new wrestlers. It was a great start to what would become you know the 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 primary promotional tactic of that year's Survivor Series and of course ended with Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan uh, culminating in just a wonderful visual at the end of the show that was also my pick the November 1st edition of Smackdown that they I thought it was a real interesting testament the fact that when their backs were against the wall this is the show that they had the race to put together and it was like just uh, you know right down to the last minute getting the NXT crew there in time mm-hmm. Shayna's like Pat, Pat arrival McAfee. 
McAfee on commentary was a lot of fun. You had a great, like, to me, that was the shift where NXT was really elevated by not just being presented as equals, but above SmackDown on that show. It was just a tremendous handling of NXT. It set up your Survivor Series. It just served all these different um, objectives for the company at the time. And they were doing it by basically throwing out the show they had on paper and coming up with something that I will guarantee was way better than what was initially uh, written down. So I thought that they just came out and had a ter- terrific show that did have um, a benefit beyond just the one night itself. It's so funny because that was in Buffalo and David was like, Hey, should we get on a mega bus and go there? And I literally like, no, I don't want to go all this way to watch Baron Corbin. And then halfway through the day, he's like, okay, so the situation's changed and now it's this. And I was like, huh, wouldn't have been that would have been fun to go to, but whatever. Um, and I failed to mention again the la- last year's picks. Uh, Davy and Braden chose the July 11th episode of NXT that featured that tremendous match between the Undisputed Era and Mustache Mountain. Yeah, who uh, great al- allegedly are still a team in the company. <laughs> I believe. Uh, Way chose Glow season two episode four, the mother of all <sighs> matches, and I chose an episode of Ring of Honor from September 8th that featured this Iron Man match between Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. Next is Best Wrestling TV Series, and last year, Davey Braden and Way chose NXT. I chose Glow, I guess if that uh, counts as well. Uh, I'll start things off because it's going to be a similar pick for me. I went with Glow Season 3. That Some people were more down on this season, but uh, I would say for all the stuff that me and Way review, those were my favorite reviews that we did this year. Uh, I... I, I I thought it was a really great season. I'm glad that season four is going to be it. I think that they set up a lot of cool stuff for season four. This was a year they progressed. Uh, Sheila became such a a main character. Uh, Bash was a very interesting, complicated figure throughout the entire season. And then you had um, the uh, Debbie's new boyfriend that kind of has this Ted Turner vibe to him. And now Debbie will be running her own wrestling company so i think you've set up some cool stuff for season four and ended off on a good note where they can be out after four seasons it's a show that i'm really glad john and i did podcast for because i don't otherwise see us having discussions about like identity and and things like that that this series introduced this this particular season um on any other professional wrestling related show so it was it's just you know this is a good show period and the fact that it has something to do with wrestling just means that we get to cover it for our our particular audience so it it was a a a series of of podcasts i really enjoyed it was a tv show i really enjoyed doing if you don't mind me going next i'm just kind of taking my turn but that was not my choice i want to give honorable mention to glow of course but also to the wrestlers on vice hosted by uh, our good friend damian abraham and this is not just because he he's one of the hosts but um it is legitimately i think uh one of the the best shows i've seen that documents professional wrestling not just in north america but around the world telling us about things like you know uh, Witch Catch Wrestling or um, the Flying Chilitas, uh, um, uh, um, Colombia was it uh, or a South American country? I, I'm I'm sorry if I uh, misremember, but a really good show. Bolivia, Bolivia. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, he was screaming right now as he was yeah. uh, listening to this. <laughs> but the wrestlers, uh, I'm 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 really proud of Damien for for being a part of. However, I will go. Again, with a repeat of my favorite wrestling series, and that would be NXT. I think uh, consistently it delivers high-quality production with a great mix of storytelling and great in-ring action that I really feel like is is sort of the pinnacle of like modern professional wrestling weekly television. Davey. 
Yeah, I'm going to be boring. It's NXT once again. Uh, there was a worry when they moved to two hours that they kind of lose what made them special. And I think they've stuck to exactly that, just expanded it. Um, the wrestling's fantastic. The storytelling's always great. Uh, it feels more adult. They don't treat you like an idiot when you're watching it. Um, it's the best wrestling show for me. Is it a complete repeat of our picks from last year, Braden? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to agree with Way. I have another show that kind of stuck with me. It not, wasn't necessarily a wrestling show, but it was a, a Vice show, The Wrestling of Darkness or Darkness Dark of Side the, of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring. That's what it was. Uh, Wrest- I watched Wrestling the Darkness. Wrestling with the Darkness. Uh, there's so many things with wrestling, wrestling in with the shadows. shadows. That's where it gets the, yeah, yeah, it confuses <laughs> me. Uh, this show was a lot of fun. I found it on YouTube and I watched one episode and then I found myself. Great way to support them. Well, it was on. It was on. Is there, they're on YouTube. Yeah, on I believe Vice, it was on. Vice yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. Let's just say. It. I hope it was. Shout we out Vice. I don't know. Watch this on my Crave account. Well, then, well you know, that's it's on Crave, so I wouldn't imagine it'd be on YouTube as well. Well, then I'll, I'll say that. Wrong. I'll say that right now. Put it on YouTube because I'll watch it on there if it's if it's well, on they, there. We're trying to make some money yeah. on it too. I'm a millennial. We don't have cable. Come on, get out of here. Okay. Um, so this this show was really interesting. Because they got a season two. No thanks to Braden. Yeah. Hey, don't they film that here too? with the super kick guys they yeah. Yeah, they some of the scenes uh, they're doing an eddie guerrero one coming out this season which it sounds great but yeah it just like it got me interested i i like like true crime documentaries and stuff so this was bringing both worlds together like the bruiser brody one yeah i knew all about it but watching this i'm like whoa this is deep man this is crazy but that's just my noteworthy one i too side with the yellow and black brand nxt because week in week out like they have constant great shows we were naming best episodes, but like there's many others. There was a, a, a match on TV between the Revival and Undisputed Era that was fantastic. And AEW launched this year, and NXT is what AEW should be, in my opinion. I thought AEW would be that kind of show, whereas NXT is literally just like stepped away from kind of silly angles and stuff and just doing wrestling. And I think that's that's what I like when I watch wrestling. So NXT kills it for me. Okay, best event. A lot to cover with this category. Last year, uh, we we were split. We had Way and Brayden going with Wrestle Kingdom 12 that Brayden attended. And Davey and I chose NXT TakeOver New Orleans that Davey attended. I did not. This year, uh, let's go with Brayden. This is a show I also attended this year. It was during WrestleMania weekend. And it was my first time in the Barclays Center where... I thought he was going to say our Q&A show. Yeah, that was that was uh, noteworthy as well, not to mention. Uh, the show I'm picking is NXT TakeOver New York or Brooklyn, depending where, you, whatever you call it. Uh, this show was crazy. Top to bottom, one of the best wrestling shows ever. Uh, match of the Year candidate is, is the first opening match there with the tag. Then you had Riddle and Dream, like... Any of the matches that night could you could argue that was the best, but then like the main event with with Cole and it's just everything top to bottom. I don't think I've ever sat through a wrestling event and went wow. Like I didn't even want to go to the washroom during that event. I don't think I did go to the washroom during that event. Uh, I just sucked for Davy next to him. <laughs> uh, I just I just thought like like the five card thing that they do the five matches mm-hmm. is how you should be doing these mm-hmm. things. Uh, so. I thought I was. Just, I got my money's worth out of WrestleMania weekend doing that show. I don't know if I'll ever go to a show that good, top to bottom. Like 
realistically. I just think, like, this year, I'm like, I don't think I need to go anymore. I don't think that'll be topped. And I think this card, top to bottom, is one of the best wrestling pay-per-views shows, whatever you want to call it, maybe of all time. Davey, did you go with TakeOver or something different? I went with the same thing. Uh, the fact that we we did, like, a roundtable review of that show after, and the fact that all of us, like, our, like, least favorite match of the show was Pete Dunne versus Volta. Which is like crazy. Which is a really good match. Some people's match and of the year this year. Loads of people's nomination for match of the year shows just how good that that show was. Um, and built exactly how it should. You had just incredible wrestling. You've you've got like the ridiculousness of uh, Velveteen Dream's entrance, and that's something I, I always get excited about. It's like, what's Dream going to come out as? Okay, we're in New York. What's he going to do? Um, and then just the the emotional climax at the end with. Gargano and Cole in an incredible match. Uh, Champa coming out at the end to give uh, Johnny a hug and like just kind of wrapping up that whole epic story that's been going on. It was just an incredible show and I'm so glad I was there to see it. Yes, what I remember most about that show is after going to that post-show press conference and then playing Kevin McAllister on the subway system because I was lost. Oh. <laughs> Way, your event of the year. Uh, my event of the year, if we're talking about a singular event, I went with the G1 Climax A Block Final. Uh, to, to me, I just, you know, I, it's it's the one event where we actually rate our matches, and I just went back, and this was a show filled with a number of extra-large matches, extra-large plus even, including Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenta, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Will Ospreay, which was probably uh, mm-hmm. my match of the, of the night for, for that particular event, and ending, of course, with the A-Block a final, determining the winner, ultimately the winner of the G1 Climax in Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, the G1, I think you could, you know, I would have had a number of nights to pick from, but um, looking back at my records, this is probably the one that I would choose amongst them all. Uh, I went with I went with something uh, different that maybe like bell to bell we maybe got better matches on some of the G one shows but I just so love this show and my greatest compliment is that I can say that because it was the absolute dirt worst streaming experience I had this year to power through this and this crowd overcame it the match quality overcame it and that was New Japan's Royal Quest from the Copper Box in London. Uh, This came the same day that the NXT UK TakeOver was taking place and All Out was going on later that night. So it was an insane day of wrestling watching all these shows. But uh, this was headlined by Kazuchika Okada, Minoru Suzuki, which was a phenomenal match. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. um, having another singles match. Uh, It was definitely marred by the injury to Kenta during the match with Tomohiro Ishii. But uh, Ozzy Open also having a phenomenal uh, showing there and um, had we not got the injury I think Aussie Open would have been probably figured into the tag league at the end of the year as well but man this crowd A++ they were so tremendous and I really hope New Japan does a big show at the very least at the Copper Box if not opening night of the G1 that I am very much in favor of doing that first night in the UK as opposed to the US uh, this year so Royal Quest was my my selection Best broadcaster. Last year, Way, you chose Kevin Kelly. Myself, Braden, and Davey chose Mauro Ronaldo. Uh, this year, uh, I'm going to go with Excalibur, who is now on a weekly platform on AEW. I think that this guy, to me, is... I just think it's so great that someone like an Excalibur is featured on a major show like AEW Dynamite. That here is a guy that is, at his core, a wrestling nerd. That knows every single story 
every every single move and it's not like some kind of mark of shame that he has to like hide this knowledge i think it's super that he's included here i think the fact that one of our many stupid controversies of the year was can we put this guy on with a mask because god knows that's what's holding them back is guys wearing a fucking mask and that's a problem um so he is my choice. Also an honorable mention to Lenny Leonard, who is consistently awesome, and he just lacks, to me, the attention that Evolve gets. And this year, he got to become one of the English voices for Dragon Gate, and I think that guy could be on any major wrestling show calling it weekly. This guy could be on Raw calling the show every week, and he would be great at it. And I don't think he's a guy that gets enough credit. Brayden? Uh, I, I was going to pick... Uh, uh, the same choice I picked last year, but I think I'm going to switch it up because um, I watched a lot of New Japan this year as well. Um, I I know I do a show of NXT, and now on our Patreon, we get to talk about a lot of the other wrestling that we watch. But uh, last year on this very show, I think you say Wei chose Kevin Kelly Mm -hmm. uh, because you said that he has now become, if you watch New Japan in English, which is amazing, you can do that now, and he is like... He's the voice of it to me. Like when I think of it, I think of him. So uh, I pick him. I pick Kevin Kelly because when I watch New Japan, I don't think uh, I could do it without him in in the English thing anymore. Because I used to watch the old clips when you would find them on YouTube and such, where it would all be in Japanese, which is amazing. But now that a lot of people who speak English and understand it want to watch those feeds – his voice, his call – and I know people give him shit for trying to almost like – it's not like he's mocking the Japanese calls, but some of his calls are so amazing when he lets things go like Destino. Like, I think. I hate that. Yeah, I know, I know, but I love it. I, I think it's amazing. I'm waiting because the ultimate payoff is he's going to do it one of these days when it's a false finish and he's going to have to catch himself on the like 18th O at the end of it. Destino. Uh, yeah. Oh. I, yeah. I, I think I think he's great. I, I, love, I love the fact that. Um, no matter of the pairings that they put him with, he sounds good with like literally any of those guys, even if it's just two of them. Um, I shout out uh, Childish uh, Gambino. What's his name? Yeah, Childish Gambino. <laughs> yeah, right. Gambino the Aussie. Yeah, he's Gino. Gambino. Gino, man, that guy is great. I think him and Kevin Kelly. You want to say most improved as a broadcaster? I, yeah, Gino Gambino is growing on me. Yeah. I really enjoy him. That guy needs to be doing this for the rest of his life. He is so fantastic. Uh, Gambino, uh, Gino Gambino, him and Kevin Kelly are so <laughs> they're so good together. Like they sound so legit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kevin Kelly for me. Just I, I've watched so much of it this year, and I'm like, man, looking back, if he wasn't calling it, I don't know if I'd get as much excitement into some of these matches. So Kevin Kelly, wait. I personally like to start thinking of like this category more so in terms of teams rather than individuals, and uh, this will cer- certainly be applicable for next week. But uh, in particular, this week, I think um, you know, just setting that table. <laughs> no, because honestly, like you know, you can have somebody who's very talented, but you put them in a bad group, they certainly don't stand out. And I think that that uh, that happens the other way around too. So my pick this year for best team would be the NXT broadcast team consisting of Mor Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix, who I think uh, again, along with I think my praise for. NXT's excellent production. Uh, the announced team is is right up there, uh, a, bit, a huge part of that. Not only are they great on TV, uh, great insight. I think great, you know, um, of course, like Moro is just, to me, like one of the greats uh, of all time in terms of how he can follow a match and add excitement to it and generally just make the experience better. And I think you have Nigel and Beth who are really kind of coming to their own and and adding a great deal of, you know, support in the color role as well. So that that was my favorite team this year. And Davey, your choice. Um, I'm going to go for Dio Madden because you didn't see Vic Joseph stand up to Brock Lesnar, <laughs> did you? Uh, 
in all seriousness, it's it's Moro again. Um, Braden and I just went back and rewatched so many uh, so many great matches from the year for our best of the year review, and there are matches we saw that we haven't watched back since actually seeing it live. And once you've seen it just once again with Moro's commentary, you can't imagine it any other way. He, to me, is what like a like a John Williams does to a Star Wars film. Uh, he adds like it's great already and he just adds so much more um the the sort of i know people are kind of down on the the pop culture references but he does it so seamlessly it doesn't seem like it's up his sleeve it just it just comes out i think he's incredible he had so much drama and emotion to a match to matches for me um he's he's the goat come back to twitter tomorrow Best uh, character is next. So whatever your definition is for best character is what you can go with. Last year, Brayden Davey chose Velveteen Dream. Way and I chose Becky Lynch. So this is, you know, best character, best personality. Very, you know, there's a lot of crossover there. Way, who was your best character of 2019? You know, I suppose like my definition of, of a character is somebody who is strictly that and not necessarily an extension of who they really are in real life. Like sometimes I, I almost think of this as like who is the best cartoon I suppose, even if it's a cartoon version of themselves. And, uh, and I think about it, my pick this year would be Orange Cassidy, somebody who, I mean, I don't know how this man is in real life. He could very well be the same character. But I think, um, you know, I, I, I had, I'd seen him previously on some GCW shows, but I think this was the year where he really uh, hit the mainstream and, you know, made his mark, so to speak, in the industry. Just a very unique something that shouldn't have worked on television at all. Um, and I think there's still maybe some questions about how far you can take a character like this, but certainly uh, from all accounts of, of, of people who show, who go to these events live, he is a highlight who I don't think has reached uh, nearly his potential yet. Braden. Uh, I too pick someone from AEW, but I'm picking someone who's been uh, many different kind of characters, but continues to change his character. And that's uh, Chris Jericho. Because when I thought of AEW starting as a weekly TV show, I literally thought in my head, how, how are they going to make Jericho instantly the main like heel guy? And they got to do that because he'll he'll run this company with the, with a character somehow. And he did that. I mean, I've watched him as the so many years of different versions of himself. And this one, he still continues to create new catchphrases that are ridiculous. But he knows what he is now. And I think maybe it is uh, an extension of himself, but really turned up. Like if Chris Jericho's himself at a five, the character Le Champion is really the character I'm, I'm choosing. It's like at a 12. Like he just turns himself up. It's so ridiculous. But every time he talks, I have to to watch it. And what what he says, I don't believe. Everything he says is ridiculous with his rhymes and stupid names and, and things that he always says. But everything he says makes me want to watch it. I think the character is definitely something they they literally desperately need to keep having on TV because if they didn't have that character, the show would be a little bit more bare-boned without that guy, the and, champion. And I think even when he gets upset at people on Twitter, I think it's him turning the volume up. Yeah, probably yeah. Does like feel he's, that way. he's a character all the time. So oh. I don't, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Davey, do you have a different choice? Um, now I was debating whether to pick Bray Wyatt, Mister Rogers, the Fiend, as a character. Man, the forums are just like locked and loaded for some of Davy's picks. <laughs> as, as a character, I think it's been fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's valid, um, it's and I think character. he's yeah, yeah. committed fully to it. It was super. He was on TV for months and months um, before he even wrestled, and people were interested. People were, would tune into Raw just to see the Firefly Funhouse and weren't even sure if they liked it. You'd watch it and go, 
ah, I don't know if I get it, but it's different yes. and it's so committed and there's so many l- little details, which is unlike WWE. They're not used to nuances and stuff. And he, and it's completely his creation. But at the end of the year, execution of and how it actually works as a wrestler, I can't pick it. So I'm also going with Chris Jericho. Um, the fact we've seen like 19 different versions of Jericho over the years, and each one is still Chris Jericho. It's not like, now I'm a robot, Chris Jericho, or <laughs> now I'm an alien or anything. It's always Chris Jericho. And a lot of the time, and I love Jericho as a wrestler, but I just want to see him talk. And that, that I'm not that kind of wrestling fan. I want to see great matches, but Jericho's got a 15-minute segment in the ring. I want to watch it. And I have friends who will come over and go, what did Jericho do this week? It's like, all right, let's load up the Jericho segment. Um, like, just so over the top, but just completely owns it. The The video of him in the hot tub, still wearing the <laughs> scarf, his scarf in the water, drinking from the bottle as he pours out a little bit yeah, of the bubbly. Yeah, yeah. Just so funny. And how he could turn just legit fucking up and losing this brand new expensive title he turned it in his character. into a, an angle and to further his character it's amazing the guy is a genius he's like a rock star douche is this character and it works so much for me i don't it's a character i have to watch and it's funny because you you watch him from being young like almost a teenager jericho the wannabe rock star and now he's the jaded rock star it's <laughs> it's fascinating to watch I had Jericho and Orange Cassidy on my short list. I'm just going to choose a different one so we have uh, some other choices in here. An honorable mention to Selena De La Renta on MLW, who is only 22 and has, you know, unlimited, uh, an unlimited ceiling uh, in terms of star power. Uh, my choice is going to be MJF, uh, someone that, you know, again, uh, came from MLW, I think that's where most first got to see him and now getting uh, further exposure on AEW where this is a guy that can absolutely carry a segment. He is already one of the best talkers, an unbelievable cocky presence about him that is something you really don't see a lot of guys settle into until well into their career to have that kind of poise. And he's got it at the age of 23 and completely committed to the act Um you know, and it's it's just been remarkable to watch this guy and the the segments that he can carry. Um, so it'll be an interesting year this this year as well to see what what his role is in a, in AEW and and how high you go with him as one of their featured heels. Okay, let us uh, continue on here as we uh, are getting into the home stretch here. Best on the mic is our next choice, and last year. Myself and Wei chose Samoa Joe. Braden had Tommaso Ciampa and Davey Portman choosing Daniel Bryan. Davey. Uh, I'm going to go as same character. It's Chris Jericho. He just owns it every time he's in there. That line when his his improv skills as well, when everyone was chanting, we the people for Jake Hager. And he just straight away goes, no, we're not chanting that. That was a shitty catchphrase from lousy creative or, or whatever the line was. He's a genius. Chris Jericho. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and just say I, I picked the same guy as well. But a shout out to Cody Rhodes because I, I earlier I wanted to pick him as most improved because he does keep getting improved. He's cut not just one, which a lot of people think is his best promo, but he's cut a bunch of promos, whether it be in his video package and stuff. But like he is so good at actually making me want to – he sells me a match. Like Cody Rhodes 
learned how to fucking sell a match. He can pull you in to want you to f- see it. But when it comes to the week to week stuff, like, yeah, Chris Jericho can do the more serious, but still be funny. Just in the end of the year, he's challenging uh, the Jungle Boy and he calls him a piece of shit. I'm laughing my ass <laughs> off. I'm like, this is how simple is that? But I love it. Uh, he's the best. Wait. Uh, I went with Cody Rhodes. I think as sort of, you know, you're a, a very controlled, um, uh, just seasoned professional wrestling speaker. He sounds so good to me whenever he's doing anything, whether it be on road to uh, or, you know, um, even on a conference call. You know, he, he seems like somebody who um, pays a lot of attention, I think, to the way he presents himself. And I thought this was uh, exemplified not just in, in obviously the great promos he's cut uh, in the lead up to to uh full gear but i think the the backstage uh little thing he did with uh in the in the limo with tony shivani was really great as well so you know when you suggested that he can you choose cody Rhodes uh, as most improved yeah. again i absolutely think that's valid because you know he's made some great leaps ever since he's left the wwe first perhaps last year but secondly now that he had already kind of like you know reached that a certain height after all in i thought he jumped even higher up another level as AEW Dynamite became a regular TV show where now people I mean I look at him as as the top babyface above guys like Kenny Omega or or John Moxley and that's not something I I would have really uh, considered at the, at the beginning when you looked at this roster uh that Cody would be I think the the person I would be most excited about. Yeah, I I thought this year like the promos to me across the board like a lot of guys stood out a lot more than in previous years where as much as the wrestling's advanced, the talking has not. So this year I thought was a step forward. Uh, honorable mention to David Starr, that, that promo we cut on Sinclair Broadcasting, <laughs> all of the stuff in the Sean Ryan videos. I mean, he to me is someone and, and not having um, the exposure of one of the major national companies. He's been doing it in OTT and he's been doing it in, you know, all across the board, but it's very much like he's his own person that people are following. Nick Aldis as well. Like now he has a bit of a platform that people can see what a talent he is. Um, but to me, yeah, it comes down to like promos are designed to draw money. And I think you have to look at Cody and Chris Jericho. So I, I give it to Cody because I think in, we, we have this belief that it's impossible to be a top baby face these days. I would say uh, it's, it's tough in one company, I would say, to be a top babyface. Everywhere else, they're they're great with babyfaces. And Cody, like, could could you imagine Cody um, being like in this role as the number one babyface in AEW? Uh, it was uh, to me, he really just jumped ahead of the pack this year, and is the glue of that show that you can uh, work things around. But he needed a Chris Jericho this year, so I think it's like two sides of the same coin. Those two. Um, to me, were, were the standouts this year, but I will narrow down my pick to Cody. Best feud from last year. I ch- went with Okada and Tanahashi, and you three chose Champa Gargano. This year, I will start things off. Minoru Suzuki, Jushin Thunder Liger. To me, they had the that awesome angle, the uh, the change into Kishin Liger, and... You know, I, I thought a pretty satisfying blow off at the end with Suzuki beating them at King of Pro Wrestling. Personally, looking at how things ended, I kind of wish this was the retirement angle that, you know, by the end of it, I was saying, OK, this is we're going to we must have something we're not thinking about that they're going to shoot an incredible angle for Wrestle Kingdom. And I think that that is part of the reason people were a little, little underwhelmed by the fact we're getting a tag match for his retirement after you had this awesome, awesome story between Suzuki and and Liger that I think you could have ended the career off of, but you still got the feud. And I thought both did a phenomenal job. Davey. 
Um, I found this one quite tough because me too. I think it was so easy for me last year to pick Champa Gargano. Um, and I'm torn between two and that's Kofi versus, and I'm not going to say Daniel Bryan. It's kind of Kofi versus everyone because it was Vince involved and just, just like black wrestlers in, in WWE full stop. And Kofi represented that. And Ronda versus Becky, which so much of that was the first part of this year. And I think we forget because it ended up in a triple threat and it ended in April. I am going to go Kofi and uh, Kofi and everyone, I'm going to say. Way. This one, um, I, I agree with you guys. I thought it was a little bit difficult. I think um, I, I have a lot of great matches, you know, and maybe like great feuds that took place in the span of a month mm. or two. Um, but nothing I would necessarily classify as, you know, something that was like a year long thing until I started to think about, you know, promotions that I wasn't paying as close enough attention to. And I think if we're going to if I have to make a pick for like best feud, I really can't ignore what Jordan Devlin and David Starr have been doing over in OTT. That was on my uh, list. Um, it, You know, it's certainly a feud that I wish I had more time to devote to. But just from seeing the video packages and from seeing what matches I have seen, the inclusion of Walter in, into this program as well, extending from what they did last year, um, I, I just did not sense professional wrestling storytelling across any other promotion that extended to this length in such detail as well. Yeah, no, it's a great pick. Braden? This was a tough year to pick because exactly what you just said, Wade, th there's so many feuds that were felt shorter than what we're used to in like wrestling. So uh, I, I, I'm, I had a bunch and they were all kind of mentioned. So I'm just going to kind of pick one from that. And I'm going to pick uh, the lead up to, to Mania with Becky and Ronda, but also shoehorn Charlotte in there somehow, uh, just be because it was like it was going when the year started, but they didn't wrestle in fact, they still haven't wrestled it one on one, which is still something you can do down the line because of this. Like I'm talking about the the, the TV feuds, uh, the the stuff leading into WrestleMania, calling her Becky, calling her a dope, you little weirdo. Uh, just stuff like that makes me. I was I I I kept being like, wow, I'm more into the feud of the women's division than I am in like the men's. I didn't give a shit about Seth and Brock really. I was like, cool, the match would be great, which it didn't really happen. Um, and I guess with the women's too. Uh, but I just felt like the feud itself was really interesting because I, I was someone who did watch Ronda Rousey beforehand. And I was someone who's super invested in Becky this past year. And to see them fight but not have a match this whole time was was cool to see. Best promotion last year. You two chose NXT, which I guess is we can debate if that qualifies as a promotion. <laughs> right. But uh, sure. Wei and I chose New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Wei. Best promotion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm on the side of the fence where that, that sees NXT as a brain within WWE. So because of the inconsistency attached to NXT, it's tough for me to pick WWE. So I would say for consistent, high-quality shows with high-quality wrestling, my pick continues to be New Japan Pro Wrestling. I went with New Japan as well. They had a year where, you know, not that different from 2016 where they lost a, a good chunk of their talent and their biggest star in or one of their biggest stars in Kenny Omega. That was a huge loss to them. And this year we certainly saw a reduction in their popularity in the U S but in Japan, I think they fortified very well. They went all in with, with Jay white to mixed results. I don't think he's a finished product yet, but I think that, you know, they have shown their commitment to making him into a top guy. Uh, an unbelievable best of the super juniors, an unbelievable G1 this year, uh, a world tag league that happened. And overall, still to me, the, the strongest uh, company that if you're just looking for 
bell to bell action, characters, stories. To me, New Japan stayed on top uh, of my mountain. Braden. Yeah, I mean, this one, it's the same, it's the same two that kind of go up in my head. It's literally everything you just said. Like, how can a company stay killing it when they just lost Kenny and the Bucks? Like, those are, those are big guys to me. Like, those were why a lot of North American fans watched that product to begin with and they lost them. So obviously, all these people are going to go follow where those guys go, but then New Japan still like kills it. You had the send off with Kenny in the beginning of the year and then they continue to do it. I'm the kind of guy who I pick and choose what I watch in all my wrestling, including New Japan. And I picked through the, the Super Junior tournament and it was so fire. Like all these matches were crazy. Uh, and then you watch the G1 and it's the same thing. So it's like they managed to still keep people intact. But I'm going to choose NXT because, yeah, they're under the WWE umbrella, but they're 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 like a separate show. They do their own invasions on SmackDown. They move to USA this year. And sometimes most of the time they beat AEW in the competition, in the ratings. So uh, I think if you can separate it from a WWE, yeah, I can pick NXT thinking it's its own entity, even though we all know they own it. So NXT for me. So Braden chooses WWE as the best promotion. <laughs> Davey? Um, yeah, I've gone away from, uh, I see NXT as WWE now, especially with the move to USA and with them being integrated in things like Survivor Series and them now, like before they'd treat NXT as non-canon. So you'd bring someone onto the main roster and the NXT title wouldn't exist. Their names would change. They'd no longer be, uh, Roe and Hanson. They'll be fucking Eric. <laughs> Um, whereas now it feels like it's all one company and NXT is heads and shoulders, the best show on, on WWE TV. Um, and out of all the other promotions, it's, it's just clearly new Japan. Uh, their consistency is, is so much better. Granted, I don't watch it weekly or anything like that, but the, the G1 is just my favorite time of the year. I, my girlfriend hates me because I just, I'm like, we're watching wrestling for a month. Um, but it's next year, buyer the Dallas DVDs and say, hey, yeah, <laughs> check back 31 episodes of season one, and I'll go watch a G1. I we'll set up notes TV the in end. the scrump room. You can go in there, and no, no. I'm watching the G1. Oh, no. Um, the D1. But <laughs> maybe they'll start off night one in Dallas again, and perfect. Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no but yeah, the, the G1 and the best of the Super Juniors this year were just so fantastic. And uh, that I treat as like, you spread it out. That's a year's worth of TV. So. I, I, w- I would also like to mention OTT, that if there's any place I would love to go watch a show, it'd be an OTT card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say Game Changer continues to me. Uh, like, I would, I would, as you see now, PWG, not the automatic sellout it was. It's still, to me, a prestige platform for a performer to get on. But in terms of just taking someone no one's heard of and a guy that could get over in one night, man or woman, and boom, the clip is up. Like GCW, look at the stars that have come out of there that are suddenly like the new indie darlings that get that buzz off of GCW. Like they have become an incredible springboard for a lot of talent. They're the promotion I'm most looking forward to WrestleMania weekends now. You know, like, like look how well they've carved out like their niche yeah. you know, WrestleMania weekend. And it's like it's growing like Joey Janela's spring break this year is going to be a big deal that week. Bloodsport continues to Bloodsport like they've they're really ahead of the curve and just just doing great stuff. Yeah. Best tag team last year. The winners were the Golden Lovers was Way's pick. Davey and Braden chose the Young Bucks, and I went with the Undisputed Era. And this year, Braden, your best tag team was... This one was really tough because NXT isn't really a show that we ha- we have Undisputed Era, 
we lost all our other tag teams tag teams this year like literally that's who all we have left is undisputed era and they've had a great year but uh i don't know because then i look at the revival who has been a favorite of mine who've been on the main roster and they were given like chicken shit and they've turned it somehow into chicken salad so i just don't know but I'm not picking either of those, and I'm picking the Young Bucks again because when I think of AEW, that's literally what I think. If they put a show, if they put a card out saying the Young Bucks are fighting tonight, then I know I'm getting at least a good match on this show. I feel like I mentioned that Jericho is kind of like a a pawn in this thing that if if he wasn't there, it'd be a more bare bones. I feel like if the Bucks weren't there, then it'd be even worse. So I'm going to pick them because sure they haven't had, I mean, they had that crazy ladder match that a lot of people loved this year. That wasn't even one of my favorite matches of the year, but I just think that they still remain consistent. And every time you watch them, they still are the best tag team. So I think you could put them against any team and they get people over too. So I, I don't know. I just think that the, the, those are stand up for me. Davey was your pick fucking Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, excuse me. It was undisputed era uh, this year, even though I think the tag division hasn't been as hot in NXT. Um, And when I say Undisputed Era, I mean Bobby, Kyle, and Roddy. The thing that clinched it for me this year was just a few weeks ago when Bobby Fish got legit hurt in the match and Roddy takes his place. He's got his red CKs on show throughout the whole thing. So, you know, like this wasn't meant to happen and seamlessly he fits in because they just, they know each other so well and can make it work seamlessly I think their chemistry, like the three of them, is incredible. Um, and that's what wins it for me this year. That performance from Roderick Strong on that show was like crazy. Definitely, definitely a year highlight, so I'm glad you mentioned it. He so. is still underappreciated. Yeah. Even yeah. at the level that he's at. Like that guy is just uh, an unbelievable talent. You, need, um, you do need a best TV worker of the year award for, for just for Roddy Strong. You said earlier, but like legit, he puts on the TV matches, does all the work for everyone else. He's the workhorse. If he was at, if he's a, if he was at like a world champion level, I think we'd be, he'd definitely be in contention for, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, best in, in the year. It's just about exposure with him at this point. Who is your best tag team boy? Well, I found this one pretty tough as well uh, because I don't think anybody really stood up from the products that I was really watching. Um, certainly uh, my pick last year, the Bucks. Actually, it was the Golden Lovers last year. But, I mean, uh, the Bucks, to me, are probably still my favorite tag team in AEW. But for their year of, I would say, relative inconsistency up until October, it's tough for me to pick them. So my pick went to LAX and Santana and Ortiz, who um, I think, in addition to them being standout draws for me at a time when I was not really watching Impact at all outside of, like, you know, their pay-per-view events, the uh, LAX matches were always something I was looking forward to. Their their very uh, busy schedules during WrestleMania weekend when I got to see them wrestle everybody from, like... um, Rock and Roll Express to like um I forget who who we saw them wrestle um on that WrestleCon show but like they're wrestling pretty much everybody on every show uh and then ending up in, in in as part of AEW's hottest heel faction at the end of 2019 it really does feel like 2019 was a big year for them uh, of a lot of growth and they seem to be uh reaping the the benefits of all their hard work right now uh I I I had I had a few I I thought that if they had teamed more often I thought Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles would have had a real shot. I love those two together. I think that's a tremendous tag team. They just didn't, to me, do enough this year. Uh, So I went with the team that just booked themselves nonstop from start to finish, even when um, maybe they didn't need to at this point. Uh, And that was Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, uh, the Lucha Brothers. Uh, They, you know, starting off the year with, you know, the feud with, with LAX in Impact and then going to AEW and just not 
easing up on their schedule at all this year. I think they're almost at the point now where they should be looking at, you know, preserving themselves just for for the long game now. It's like they have established enormous names for themselves at this point that they don't have to be filling up their calendars at, at this stage. But uh, to me, Ray, Ray Phoenix, I conflate some of this with the year Ray Phoenix had that I think he there's an argument for him for wrestler of the year. I think he just uh, blew it out of the water uh, this year. Uh, yeah. We all chose them. I think Did we all choose tag teams. Yes, yes. we all did. What about, but now I know like that, that usually when it comes to choosing like a match of the year, that tag team matches don't really end up, but I've mentioned that I really liked the tag team match from uh, takeover New York with Alistair black and ricochet who they won the dusty classic. So they were like another team that was just, put together like superheroes mm-hmm. versus the Viking Raiders. So I just have to shout that out because I think that is like contention for re- literally match of the year for me. And that was just a throwaway tag team title match in NXT. So they weren't a tag team of the year, but great match. Okay. We're getting into the final few awards here. We're going to best wrestler. And last year we broke this up into male and female categories for female wrestler of the year. Way Braden and I chose Becky Lynch and Davey. You uh, chose uh, Mako Satamora this year, Davey. Nice. Who is your pick? Um, this year I picked Io Shirai. How dare you? Because Brayden, why is that? Because you really like Io Shirai. <laughs> Don't steal my gimmick, dude. I just set you up for your yeah. fucking slogan. <sighs> On my list, Shirai finished high. <laughs> Did yeah, she? Io Shirai. I think since she evolved the character, uh, just all around, just an interesting character to watch. Her her music is cool. And she killed it with Io Shirai, uh, sorry, with Candice LeRae, um, that moonsault off the, the cage in War Games, insane. Um, just so exciting to watch. Yeah, I'm going to jump in right now then. Uh, I also choose Io Shirai. Uh, shout out Becky Lynch. She had a crazy year. She main evented WrestleMania. There was a slip up at the end of that match, so that maybe throw people off. But I wouldn't say year. female wrestler of the year. Yeah, I, I still go with, with, with Io Shirai. Uh, this was a character that changed and she turned into something new. Um, I feel like that was that, that NXT where you watched USA and the first thing you saw was, was Io Shirai come out and wrestle a match. And you're like, whoa, this is not what I'm used to watching, my classic WWE wrestling. And here is a Japanese woman coming out. Like, I just felt like it was, it was a bigger stepping stone than, than kind of overlooked in a lot of people's eyes. But everything she did, like David said, like so many things that just stood out for me. Uh, we went to take over Toronto. Her match with Candice was just phenomenal. And uh, Io Shirai gets me high. She's the genius of the sky. Uh, I don't my know what oh else. My oh my. <laughs> the Joshi Judas. She gets me through this. Way, are you continuing in the trend of Io Shirai? No, I'm not. But I'm going to stick with NXT. I'm going to go with Shayna Baszler. I, I feel like, you know, every division sort of needs its nucleus to to really work around. And I'd certainly see, you know, this this really is, is uh, to me, the year where I think the NXT's uh, female division felt like it was at its, at its peak. I think it was... It was a year where I think a women's division in any wrestling promotion sort of took center stage for me, and that that um, it was largely all built around Shayna Baszler, who ends um, you know sort of his, her reign in, in 2019. But I think throughout the year, like I mean, I, sometimes I hear people complaining about her style. I absolutely love every single one of her matches. I love her submission style. I think she carries just a great demeanor, both in in terms of just like. Her, her entrance and throughout the, the, her in-ring, of course, and also even her promos. I'm just a fan of her in general. I thought she did great, uh, in particular, uh, both the, up against, uh, in, the, in the feud, in the build-up to Survivor Series against Becky Lynch, more than held her own and felt like a star on her level. So I'm excited to see uh, where she goes in 2020. So I'm going with a different 
choice than all three of you, and I am picking Tessa Blanchard from Impact Wrestling, who I think you could argue is the MVP of Impact this past year. To me, somebody that, uh, you know, it's not just a gimmick that we're going to go with this female to be in the world title picture. I think that she... Uh, greatly improved this year. She, you know, pretty much the story of this whole year has been her feuding with OVE, losing to Sammy Callahan at Sammy uh, at Slammiversary, which I guess they could have called Sammyversary, <laughs> uh, and building up to the rematch that's going to be happening um, later this month. Um, yes. So, yeah, I thought Tessa Blanchard just, to me, uh, as a personality, evolved quite a bit as well. And to me, had a ton of great intergender matches that worked they were believable and someone that this company can legitimately build itself around and and differentiate itself from that has been the biggest struggle for impact is just trying to do something different and they've got someone in tessa blanchard who it's believed her deal is up this summer and i think she becomes as intriguing a figure to watch in 2020 as anyone about uh where she is when we're talking this time next year best male wrestler brayden why don't you start us off yeah i mean i i thought this was an easy, really easy pick uh, a few months ago, really. But then I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. This one is this is the toughest choice for me this year. Uh, I've watched so much wrestling, and the guy who's been most consistent in all these matches that I've watched, and a lot of people's matches of the years or top tens or whatever, is Will Ospreay, obviously, because he's just killed it. Um, we mentioned Kenny and the Bucks leaving New Japan, and this guy, he was there already, but he he fills this, like, he's the junior heavyweight slot, but I feel like this guy is the next big, big star there, and he, like, he already is. Uh, I think every time I watch him in a match, he is phenomenal. It's like a movie every time, um, and he's had, there's so many different matches that he had that were match of the year, and I had a different pick, but you know what? I'm not picking it. I'm picking Will Ospreay because uh, every single match this year was just fantastic. Uh, the the Shingo storyline going into that, defeating him, felt like a, a classic wrestling, just everything in, in, in full here. So I'm just going to say that Will Ospreay is my best wrestler. And let's not forget that the Kota Bushi match was this year's. Oh, right. Yeah, January that was, 4th. That was sure. a Wrestle Kingdom oh, from match. Like, it felt like from day one, this man like took that crown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, he really just like, I've been a big fan of this guy uh, for a long, like for the past few years, he, everyone, he's been on everyone's radar. He's been stealing the show. I've watched him live a bunch of times. And every time I watch him wrestle, I'm like, holy shit. Like this guy is incredible. But I, I will say like so many five star matches, in my opinion, from this guy this year, he's nonstop. When you watch him, you're amazed. You can, uh, my favorite thing is I have friends come over for a weekend. We're pre-gaming on a Friday night and uh, we, we, you know, have a few pops, have a little bit of the bubbly and uh, throw on a Will Ospreay match and my friends are like, what the hell is this? What Which of is these this? parts of the routine is not like the other? <laughs> but I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> Smoke a fat one, put on Will Ospreay and you friends will be like, what the hell is this? I need to watch this. I have a friend who, who doesn't watch WWE. He thinks it's laughable. He doesn't understand why I watch that. But I've shown him. I've been. He's been on New Japan for two years now, and Osprey is his top wow. guy. He he loves Kota Ibushi, but he thinks Osprey should be like the next thing. He was sad and doesn't understand the whole wrestling politics behind Kenny leaving. But he's like Osprey is the next guy to be in line, and, and this is a guy who just gets high with me and watches wrestling. So even if even if that guy can choose, then y'all can choose too. So Shirai and Osprey <laughs> get you high. Yeah, I need an, I need one for Osprey though. You can't uh, Osprey Osprey gets me. I don't know. We'll work on it. Let me know. <laughs> At the Bray D. <laughs> yes. Um, I I went with Will Ospreay as well. We'll see if Davey has a different choice. Just to me, what it came down to to me was 
like there's a really solid argument for Chris Jericho because if I take Chris Jericho out of AEW, that company is completely different. Your top heel is probably Cody. And how much that's a facelift to AEW if Cody's in the top heel role and Omega defaults as the top babyface or vice versa. It's a very different company. So I think no one meant more to one company than Jericho this year. Will Ospreay, you take him out in New Japan, you lose to me a lot of great matches. I don't know if the overall arc of New Japan changes all that much, but, um, and I also throw in Kento Miyahara, because if you're not following his stuff from All Japan this year, the Triple Crown defenses, uh, he had an unbelievable year. I think in most years he would win, but to me, Will Ospreay, this was not just the wrestler of the year, but this was maybe the finest year I've seen from somebody. Um, the diversity of matches when you're talking about the Kota Ibushi program, uh, wrestling pack at your call in February, whether it was the best of the super juniors turning around, entering the G1 for the first time, a tag team on the side with Robbie Eagles that they had a really cool story this year with their tag matches and just altering his style. Like it was changing a lot of the recklessness and becoming a better wrestler by a significant portion. I thought this year, like this was a marked improvement for Will Ospreay, who was already one of the best on January 1st this year. Um, this was just from start to finish, one of the best years I've seen from a wrestler. So that to me won out over the other arguments. Uh, Davey, um, why was Baron Corbin your wrestler? <laughs> well, sorry, it goes back to that King of the Ring tournament when he the series he had. Osprey did not become a king. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's Will Osprey as well. Uh, not even just the wrestling, but his not that he's had a whole load of promos, but when he's he's spoken at the end of the matches, like it, when they do their speeches in New Japan, he sounds so much better. Um, it was he very had, open about a lot of like personal problems he was having throughout this as well that I think endeared him to a lot of people too that you know Will Ospreay was kind of polarizing to people at, at a time and that seems to have um, lessened significantly he yeah. needs to tweet less the um, like the uh, the the promo he cut with after the amazing red match where he it right. was it was very similar to the Cody and Dustin one it was like I don't want you to retire here um, I lived a a childhood dream in wrestling you um and i feel already i'm going through the same pains and problems you are my neck is fucked but i want to keep doing this forever um the the matches are just unbelievable like best of the super juniors the g1 especially but beyond that the fact he's done all these tournaments this year he's had great matches with uh el fantasmo has had a cool little mini feud going on there um so looking forward to him versus Hiromu coming up. Uh, I don't think you can pick anyone else and other people have had sensational years, but it's got to be Osprey. Okay, we now go to story of the year. So the biggest story uh, in terms of the past 365 days. Last year, I chose WWE's TV deals with Fox and the USA Network and the result it had on the WWE stock. Way chose the crown jewel controversy. Braden was Ronda Rousey joining the WWE and Davey. It was Daniel Bryan returning. So we all had different stories of the year in 2018. For 2019, what was your story of the year, Way? It was the uh, introduction of AEW and uh, the um, debut of AEW Dynamite. And essentially, I suppose, um, I think a, a bit of a domino effect to follow after that with uh, NXT moving on to television as well. Uh, and just really adding four more hours of wrestling to all of our uh, 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 weeks. So I would say that would probably be the biggest change. Yeah, it's I'll go second that the launch of AEW to me, it was one of the biggest stories um 
for a lot of the points that that way uh, brought up and just the impact it's going to have on the industry, on free agency, on guys having more leverage now and just an, an overall change to the industry. And I think adding a lot of fun to it as well. Um, I get a lot of comedy out of like the, the reaction to the ratings every week that sometimes is very silly stuff. But I think ultimately it's like people enjoy watching these two companies put out their best products and it's like you're getting four hours of kick-ass wrestling for the most part um save for a dark order angle here and there um so it's been to me uh, overall strong positive um other big stuff this year like this was stuff that happened this year um anthem buying access tv like that was a pretty big story all the talent departures from new japan um a non-WWE company selling out Madison Square Garden, Roman Reigns' return, and a lot of big deaths this year. Paco Alonso, Pero Aguayo, Harley Race, Silver King, uh, Atsushi Aoki, Gene Okerlund, King Kong Bundy. Um, so there were a lot of notable stories, but I would imagine, are we all in agreement the AEW yeah, is the biggest yeah. story this year? I, I have picked AEW because of like all the reasons you say, but it's also like... I love I love when like how David said when non wrestling fans talk to you because you're the they know you like wrestling and so many people are like hey what's this other show what is this is that like is that WWE what what is that what is this is this wrestling is it fighting and I'm like no but how did you hear about it and they're like oh I heard I saw an ad or I saw it on TV on on TSN here in Canada and I think that I think that's really interesting because those normal people wouldn't care about wrestling, but now they're like, Oh, there's a different show. Like, Oh, and then they're like, why did, why do they need more wrestling? And like, it's to combat it. It's, it's to go against it. It's a different thing. It's a different entity. And it's, it's interesting because we haven't seen that. Uh, I'm a little young. I, I, I didn't watch WCW versus raw every Monday night. I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to live through that. So now that we're seeing this quote unquote Wednesday night wars, uh, it's, it's interesting because it is cool to kind of, look back and go, who had the better show? That What was the match of the night, though? Okay, well, what was this, though? Okay, well, it's fun. It's cool to debate that and have your barbershop talks with your friends and such. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest story is that a bunch of guys created their own company and it's working. It legit has changed the whole business. Yeah. Because say AEW wasn't a thing and NXT was moving to two hours a week anyway, I think they would still be putting out a quality show. But the fact that there are guys like... Um, Dana Blake like, just got a five-year contract. Exactly. You know what I mean? Guys like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who WWE have done nothing with, and now are on mega deals. Like, right. Carl Anderson saying, oh, I've got a second swimming pool now. That that wouldn't have <laughs> happened. Like, I don't think WWE would have been too bothered if they stayed or went, okay, you're going back to Japan? I don't care. Like, that's how their attitude is. But now they're locking up everyone, and people know that. You've seen Randy Orton all year has been tweeting Will Ospreay. And has been like teasing, like yeah. it's like, oh, people think I'm gonna go to AEW. Come no on, way. Randy Orton. Like, I can't imagine him anywhere else. But he knows I can put that thought in in management's head and get a few more noughts added to my deal. Like, it's crazy. Every every talent should be thankful that there is a, a company now that you know, at the very least, it's sending WWE to want to lock people up for long term and and raising the floor of what. Um, someone would be making by a notable amount. So that's already showing. But aren't they impact. taking food off the table from other people? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's weird. It looks like they've almost set up a second buffet table that you can eat as much as you want, it seems like. so. They're, they're, imagine if Dana Brooke went to AEW, though. That five years is going to come up soon. And she's going to jump ship. She's going to change the scene. 
Uh, let's get into the final two here. It is match of the year, again, broken up into uh, female and male match of the year. Last year for female match of the year, we all chose Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair from the Evolution, the one and only Evolution pay-per-view, which did not get a follow-up this year. This year for female match of the year, we are going to start with Davey. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to NXT TakeOver Toronto, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Uh, for many of the reasons why Io Shirai was uh, Women's Wrestler of the Year for me, um, this feud was the best women's feud uh, that I'd watched this year. Um, and the match was just, it was the best match on the show, I think. Um, and the fact that this was the first time that there were two women's matches on an NXT TakeOver where you only have five matches, um, which is normally made up of a tag all your titles and one non-title match. And they gave it to the women this year because, and I think bumped the breaking ground, the breakout breaking tournament star, with breakout Cameron Grimes and uh, Jordan, Jordan Miles. Miles. They bumped that off the show because this match deserved to be on the takeover and delivered. I agree. That was my women's match of the year. And to, especially for Candice LeRae, like it was her first chance first big breakout performance i would say in nxt like for the longest time she was kind of there as like the second to johnny gargano and this was was mrs gargano to to break out and and have you know a solid solid performance and i think it it greatly benefited her as well and to me io shirai this this heel turn's been phenomenal for her for her character as well and someone uh i really hope doesn't move from nxt this coming year way I went with TakeOver War Games with uh, Team Ripley versus Team Baszler. Um, to me, this was actually one of my favorite War Games, period. Uh, I thought you had a really great sense of unity among the teams, which I really appreciate. You know, I think Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler both felt like very legitimate captains in the buildup leading towards it. Um, what stands out to me, of course, was the Dakota Kai heel turn, which I think was wonderfully set up in the weeks prior. Uh, but just a vicious attack that you got to see her slamming Tegan Knox repeatedly into the cage, placing the baby faces that were already in the match into a massive disadvantage which is exactly what the war games should be about baby faces overcoming insurmountable odds fighting from behind and the resulting match was just to me it was magical it ended with just this really creative finish with Rhea Ripley handcuffing herself onto Shayna Baszler which put her in perfect position for that pump handle uh, riptide which man to me was a wonderful combination of both using outside weapons and professional wrestling techniques so uh, a combination of all of these things the atmosphere uh, the storytelling made it my female match of the year that that match was awesome I, I really love that match like the, the war game it was the first time the women have been inside that that cage thing. It was just, it was all awesome. But I too choose Io, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae from TakeOver Toronto. Me and Davey, we were there uh, after our TakeOver tailgate. And uh, we were we were like kind of down on that show uh, a little bit. And that was the match that made me feel like I got my money's worth out of it. That was my match of the night. That's my women's match of the year. Uh, the storytelling of Io Shirai, I really feel like it came into full effect at that match. She came out, her entrance on the big giant Titan Tron thing in the big arena. It felt like she was just a star. And then like what John said with Candice, you never really get to see her. And then she did. And they just did some crazy spots there's like a suicide dive into a ddt candace kicks out of the moonsault <clears throat> it's you choked up about it yeah spanish fly, off the spanish fly like it's just crazy uh i really need to see this feud again and don't ever joke about io shirai leaving nxt because i won't be doing a podcast on this show anymore she's not on that show 
Last award. We are we are at the end. The best male match of the year. Last year, I chose uh, Okada and Kenny Omega from New Japan uh, Dominion. Way chose the Golden Lovers against the Young Bucks from Strong Style Evolved. Braden, yours was Omega and Jericho that you attended at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And Davey chose Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano. Ooh. Can't even remember that. What bro. is that match? What was I talking about? Takeover Philadelphia. <laughs> Who we uh, we had Johnny's video at our Takeover Tailgate talking oh, about that. That's my moment very... of the year. <laughs> that's your moment of the year. Gargano at our, our video on our tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> Braden, what was your match of the year? This is the toughest one. This is the Oscar goes to best movie. This is the the all end all of wrestling. This year, I think I say this every year. This year was the best year of professional wrestling. But like literally, uh, Ishii versus anyone was fucking crazy. I have to shout out that guy. That guy comes at it during the G1, blows me away, and then just kind of coasts for like I don't really see him for the rest of the year. But I, I see so much great stuff from him. Him versus Shingo was amazing. Shingo Osprey is my runner up. But my match of the year, I was at. Takeover New York, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Uh, the boyhood dream has come true. The the hero overcomes the evil. It was a storyline with Champa and Gargano leading up to this match, and it was suddenly changed due to an injury and everything. Everyone was sad that we weren't going to get this culmination. So Adam Cole is like put into this spot and he was given the ball and he ran with it this is maybe one of my favorite matches of all time regarding any company any country anything Uh, i was there live but i've watched it back a bunch of times and it feels like a movie from start to finish it's literally a two out of three falls there's a beginning there's a middle and there's an end and like that last fall you're we're screaming the whole arena turned from wearing their undisputed era shirts to like hiding it and chanting for johnny gargano because Everyone in that arena just changed, and uh, it was just insane. I give that match all the stars because it's just incredible to watch. I, I could watch that match back to back to back to back. So. Davey, you were at that show as well? I, I picked that match as well. I think uh, what I love is just like, I love crazy spots and just great wrestling, but you got to have the story as well. And this had everything. It had it all. It felt like a movie, as you said. And to be there and feel... we. You, me, and Jesse Braden were felt like the only Johnny Gargano Our whole section was at the chanting. beginning of that match, and then by the end, everyone was for Gargano. Yeah. Um, having having Champa come out at the end, uh, kind of just ended it beautifully. Um, I love that that first fall is just like a really classic wrestling match, and then you have that last shot come out of nowhere. Um, and then you have the submission in the second fall, which makes complete sense because you want to save yourself. Um, yeah, I. it's just, it's amazing. It's a thrill ride. It's it- the ultimate thrill ride, John, <laughs> that match. Way, did you go uh, stateside or did you go overseas? I went stateside and um, if I had known that we were going to do a best moment, I might have picked a different one for oh. this. But I, I, my match of the year, I chose... Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. To me, it was technically the far far from the best match I saw all year. But I've really come to realize that my favorite matches of the year usually require a technique only up to a certain extent. And the rest is really story and atmosphere that make up the rest. And I thought there were strong amounts of all of those in this particular match. Uh, you know, obviously being there in person for this one, I think colors it a little bit different for me. But And, and you've kind of heard all of our thoughts about the match er, at the beginning of the podcast. But I will say, I think Daniel Bryan gets a bit lost in the discussion here. He led this match and served this wonderful selfless story for to create this 
great moment with Kofi Kingston winning, and I think he deserves so much praise here uh, for the performance. And also, really, this marked the fir- the one year anniversary of his comeback to the, the WWE and, and professional wrestling. And I would say by this point, certainly a very, very important member of uh, the WWE roster and somebody who, you know, was a perfect candidate uh, for for this particular match. My choice uh, was Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay from night number seven of the G1 at a core Q&A hall. It was a 22 minute match. And to me, I, I went into this where Tanahashi Omega was very high for me going into the G1. Uh, that and the Will Ospreay Shingo Takagi uh, final from the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, but to me, this one, it was the closing sequence and it was a Rainmaker attempt turned into a Spanish fly for a near fall. Crazy. And then he follows it with a shooting star press. And it was just, I said to myself, this is the match of the year. This has surpassed everything I've seen this year. And then the final, uh, the final stretch saw a Stormbreaker counter, a spinning Rainmaker, and then he hit the proper version and pinned Will Ospreay. Um, I just thought this was a phenomenal, near-perfect match between two of the very best in the world. And to me, it was the best match of the G1. And that usually, for me, transitions to best match of the year. It's it's crazy. We did a show on our Patreon called Best Match Ever, and we ranked 10. We got all our listeners to rate each matches they gave, and we put them all together, and we did this thing. And... We were in a little bit of an argument because I know David was so high up on Okada Osprey that we just rewatched it again. This was my match of the year until I did the big rewatch. We we we, we went over weeks. and rewatched every. We're roommates and we have a lot of free time on our hands sometimes. And we just watched like all these matches that we just mentioned back this week, this past week, and and that match is incredible. That Spanish fly, like how do you co- counter that that into that? But also he manages to counter a rainmaker attempt into the stormbreaker. Like how do you even do and that? And Okada gets out of it but it's like how, how is that even a thing how can you imagine and that chop that? spot where he oh, doesn't sell it that's the best sell ever yeah. in my opinion when osprey finally manages to get a big chop on okada and, and okada it. sells it like he's been shot that it's match amazing is, that match is crazy yeah yeah a few others i had on my list were like the osprey shingo match uh i thought cody and dustin a double or nothing right um that was an outstanding match the tanahashi omega one and also walter tyler Bate at the nxt uk takeover were some on my short list as well but that concludes the best of 2019 and now the four of us get a week to go assemble our worst of show because right. there's no way we could do all of this in like one night or <laughs> no. anything like that so uh this was a lengthy one, guys. Uh, the best of is now over, so get ready to get negative next week. So oh. uh, just like this week, we are going to be putting up the Worst of Show on both Patreon feeds uh, next week on the Tuesday. So you can look forward to that. And then Thursday, they will be available to everybody. January 1st, so a good time to sign up to either a Patreon. Yes, you will be getting, uh, in addition to uh, bonus stuff. I know you guys will have bonus stuff. And we'll be putting up some shows from Japan as well of uh, all the stuff that amazingly we are uh, converging here while Wei and I are in Japan. Mm-hmm. Amazing how this all works. Should we mention uh, our plan with uh, yes. Wednesdays? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Wednesday nights, <clears throat> we usually do NXT, but because you two guys are, are going to be traveling, you've asked us to cover AEW Dynamite. So we're pretty excited to, to talk about that. For the next two weeks, yes. Yeah. So, uh, in addition, this is a the dynamite reviews are something Braden and Davey typically do for their own Patreon feed. But this week, we've kindly asked them, "Hey, would you like to supply your podcast for our main feed, just to make sure our audience doesn't go completely 
uh, uh, without an AEW review while we're in Japan. So thank you, Davey and Braden. And, and it's a great chance for people to sample what you guys do on your Patreon. Yeah, definitely. We're super excited. We'll continue to do the NX, up next NXT shows every week as well while you're away. But um, yeah, all, all I ask for is uh, uh, some uh, New Japan merchandise. From uh, over there, you're, I've, I've had too many people asking me to bring stuff back. It's like no, I, I only it. got so you're, much. Your Taichi Tearaway Panther. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. You can't buy me shirts because their sizes are too small. Yeah, I, small. yeah you, you can buy me hats though. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to an outlet mall and get you some tearaways and tell you that these are Taichis. <laughs> no, I want the Okada. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for uh, following all of our shows this past year. We greatly appreciate it. It is. Time to sign off. So, for Davey Portman, Braden Harrington, Wei Ting, I am John Pollock, and this show has been the best. <laughs>